Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Jake, I would say so far, not too bad, at least here in the Indy downtown area. Just a couple extra minutes for myself on the commute in. You're walking to the car, honestly, might have been the, uh, the, the dicier proposition for me. A little icy, a little slushy on the sidewalks. There's certainly snow in the grass, uh, but the roads, as of now, pretty much wet. Snow is falling did hear from a few people on Twitter. I put out a video of kind of what my commute looked like uh, coming down Meridian. Uh, Will mentioned he lives in the Plainfield area, Clayton over in that area, and a lot of snow on the roads out there. So I think a little bit west, maybe a little bit south could be different, but so far not too bad here locally. Yeah, it was, it was for me, I noticed probably, so I, I leave around, I left around 620. And it was really coming down, like on the north side. And then I got to about 16th Street, and it was done. Now, I don't know if it was still snowing that heavy on the north side, and I just left it behind, or if it was just intermittent. But uh, definitely like a wet snow, so it was pretty easy to to wipe off. It's perfect, perfect snowman snowball snow. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Perfectly packing snow. Uh, But that also means that it's going to be heavy to shovel, so be careful. I think probably the lack of challenge in the commute was facilitated by the fact that there were fewer people on the road definitely but but there's no doubt that it it was basically like a rainy morning on the way in but i anticipate that it's going to look a lot different when we leave here Yeah, we're gonna have brian wilkes on in about 10 minutes or so you see him on fox 59 to get us updated because as you said jake it does seem like honestly throughout these next three hours of us being in here we could get saw some reports of potentially in an inch an hour um, so certainly something that we will keep you posted on. I've, as of now, I feel like everybody's kind of up to date on the delays and closings. Virtually every school district has gone, I think, e-learning. Boy, you know, for all the, oh, kids didn't have it as tough as we did in our day. You know what, Jake? Uh, we got the nice snow days, and now these kids actually have to somewhat go to school today. Yeah. On the virtual I know. side of things. I, I mean, snow days were so much fun, man. We didn't have a lot of them, It didn't, but... Be like my Wi-Fi doesn't work. Sorry, I can't hop on today. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I think you got some people that that would be uh, an issue for. But obviously, uh, thank you to all of the plow crews, salt crews, everybody. I was, you know, picking up Rosie from daycare yesterday. They were salting the sidewalk out there, and uh, we'll continue to keep you posted throughout the day. One thing I did want to check as I drove down here, I drove over to where the Benedict Matherin statue will be. That's cleared out. I wanted okay, to make sure good. after last I night thought about that everything morning. was okay because uh, we're going to have some work on that today, I believe. You know, one of the interesting things in addition to Pacers last night, uh, a good win, and Benedict Matherin was huge down the stretch of that game. One of the storylines involving the Pacers that that is going to be interesting to watch, and, and it's probably going to amount to nothing. But the Pacers yesterday had a call with the league about the plans and contingencies put in place should LeBron James become the all-time scoring leader in the NBA on, I believe it's February 2nd, 
when the Lakers yeah, come to Cambridge Fieldhouse. Now, they have four games between now and then. What LeBron James is doing right now, and I know that he is a polarizing figure. I get it. I know that people want to talk about rings and chasing rings and everything else. I get it. I think from the polarization a, of him is a bit overblown. I would agree. And from the sheer nature of the combination of athleticism, physical stature, and overall versatility of basketball skill, he is the greatest that we've seen. And what he did last night, he has now scored 40 points or more against every franchise in the NBA. It's remarkable, right? He Clippers were the last one last correct. night, and 46 for him. 46 points last night. He's 38 years old. He had 46 points. And, and I get it. It was not a win, but... It is remarkable what he does, what he is doing. I mean, and we see this of sometimes of athletes late in their career. You know, Jimmy Connors in the U.S. Open, and you know, guys that kind of get like this this sudden surge for a few games. But he has done yeah, it, not like this. Yeah, I mean, he just continues to do it at a high level. It's it really is the thing about him to me that is the most impressive is he has had that spotlight on him. From the very, very beginning, and and very few people could ever live up to that, and he has. Yeah, I mean, front cover Sports Illustrated at what sixteen or seventeen yeah. years old. Um, I would say Jake would also, to me, has always been so impressed about LeBron. Like you take away the incredible athleticism, I still think he's an All Star player just based off his basketball IQ. Uh, totally agree. And vice and, versa, you take away his IQ and his athleticism, obviously. Well, the other thing too is that a lot of times with guys like that, and I know that people can say that he doesn't have the competitiveness of Jordan. I, I get it. But you can't deny this. He is so physically gifted and so talented, and there was so much praise heaped upon him that like, if he, after ring number two, would have become complacent and kind of gone into... Shaquille O'Neal coast drive at that point. I don't know that anybody would have blamed him, but he never has. Right. He never has. And obviously going back to Cleveland and doing what he did and getting the title for them. They do have a couple back-to-backs. Tonight is one of those, and then Monday, Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays in all of those games leading into Thursday inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. Um, again, the Pacers come back down 21 last night. I mean, there are a few moments early in that game I'm thinking, first off, extremely disappointing start considering Chicago had played the night before. But I'm thinking, boy, are you going to throw up the white flag here? Because the Pacers have a back-to-back. They're in Orlando tonight, but I thought that third quarter group of McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, and Miles Turner doing some things a little bit out of the norm. Just some shots around the rim, some, some post moves. Uh, they were really critical in getting Indiana back into it. And then again, Matherin in the fourth quarter was absolutely terrific. So the seven-game losing streak is over for the Pacers. The Colts apparently have starting to narrow down this head coaching list. Again, some interest in bringing Dan Quinn in for a second interview. Uh, Jeff Saturday uh, and Ajero Avero. That is the Bengals defensive coordinator, or excuse me, the Broncos defensive coordinator. So is that the list of who they have said they're going to interview a second time or who they have already interviewed a second time? Uh, none of these are second interviews so far. Okay. So uh, just the reported interest. Nothing from the team yet on that front. So we'll obviously 
touch on that throughout the day. Indiana's up at the barn tonight. Perfect weather to be at the barn. 9 o'clock tip, a 10.5-point favorite on the road. You don't often see that in the Big Ten, the old double-digit road favorite. I would say that is an indicator of how Minnesota has played basketball this season. But again, good Wednesday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykden. Uh, Mark, your commute in from the Brownsburg area, Avon area? Not too bad. Not not too much sticking. I mean, there's some wet stuff on top of the car this morning, but after I brush that off, pretty smooth. I don't know how good that'll be when we leave the building today, but driving in, not too bad. What time is Wilkes going to join us? Because I want to know... Short, like 90 seconds. Okay, because I, I'll be curious to find out and thank you to Brian Wilkes for being up this early because this is going to be a long day for him. I'm and sure. And for making time for us. I mean, he's, he's a fellow right. Bears fan. He he knows what's he's up. big. You know, he's also a um, a bulldog owner, and a uh, he does a very good De Niro impersonation. Multi talented. Brian, we should Wilkes. probably focus on weather with him. Uh, he also likes cereal, like yourself, Mark. He's a big cereal. Hell eater. yeah! Who doesn't like cereal? <laughs> he he might be eating cereal. That your first question for Brian Wilkes, Kevin, should be: What is the cereal de jour? I'm going to go with. Brian, how's it going? Man? He's Cocoa. going Lucky Charms. Okay, this is a day to treat yourself. Cocoa someone puffs in Co- his industry. Cocoa Puffs. Fruity Pebbles also in the mix, probably. I I think the peak treat yourself is a little Lucky Charms. (laughs) And you're all obviously only picking out the... What about just Marshmallow Lucky Charms? Oh, sure. That's exactly what he's... You know, you got to reward yourself on a day like today if you're working in that industry. Along with Brian Wilkes, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8. Will Carroll, talk a little Patrick Mahomes, high ankle sprain. And, And... any sort of intel into the Tyrese Halliburton left elbow injury as tomorrow is supposed to be the evaluation day on that. But let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline for a weather update. He, You see him on Fox 59. He is Brian Wilkes. Uh, Brian, a bowl of Lucky Charms this morning. What was the cereal of choice on a day uh, that you'll probably work as hard as you'll work all year? No, I've got some old leftover franken. The berry. And I even got some backup count chocolate. There you go. Oh, man. There you go. How are you guys enjoying the slush storm so far? You know, so Brian, and I appreciate you coming on because you probably haven't even gone to bed yet. I mean, you probably just got home a little bit ago. Uh, no, I, I, I did about 3.30. It was all right. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Um, interesting. North side of any, and you tell me if this kind of jives with what was anticipated, Brian. About 6.30 yeah. this morning when I left the north side of Indy, it was really coming down. By the time I got yeah. to about 16th or 21st Street, uh, it had ceased. And I don't know if that's just because it was it's staying so, north or because yeah. that was the time frame. No, it's it's about, everything seems to be pretty much on track. And what what, what is on track is that everybody will wake up at like 7 o'clock and go, well, it's not that bad out there. Well, it wasn't expected to be. It was supposed to be a transition over like 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning to snow. That's exactly what's happened. Uh, but this is just, we expected maybe an inch and a half to maybe two inches of snow down by 7 a.m. And the folks down in Bedford and areas in Indianapolis have got it. Now, the roads are doing better than it is on the grassy areas. And again, this has all been expected. It's going to start cranking as we get into the second wave or second chapter of the storm system. And when that happens, everything kind of pinwheels in and starts to fill in. So I, the thinking was that after 7 a.m., probably between 9, 10, and 11 is when we'll get underneath these heavier bands of snow. And that's when we'll put down a quick another three, four, possibly wind up with about six inches of slushy snow when it starts to taper down by two or three. So, yeah, what happened, it's literally going to be a difference of 30 miles makes all the difference. And in meteorology, man, that's just like splitting hairs. But... 
you know, this day and age, you gotta be as pinpoint accurate as possible. You know, we didn't have all this crap back in the day. We had, you know, a couple of maps and a couple of charts, and we had to figure it out with a pen and paper. Nowadays, you gotta sit there and look at all these computer models until your eyeballs bleed, and then you have to kind of come up with a decision. But honest to goodness, this is a massive system. It's got a ton of moisture. If it were just about three degrees colder, we'd be looking at 12 or 13 inches of snow. We're gonna get half of what you normally would get. And still, that's substantial. You know, five to maybe on the high end, eight inches of snow along that heavy band. But you're absolutely right. It'll be a difference of just a matter of miles to the northwest or north side of Indianapolis as it flows down towards the southeast. Okay, so my other question, Brian, would be, I guess, twofold. And the first, like I've always said, because I'm not a huge fan, I think snow is pretty. But like everybody, kind of once it falls and settles, you're like, okay, get it out of here. So this time of year for me is a little psychologically easier because I think, well, we're kind of, you know, it's not like it's January 1st and, you know, you feel like you're in Siberia. So today, in terms of today, by what time of day are we out of the woods? That's part one. And then part two is the immediacy following in the next couple of days looks like this is going to stick around and there's going to be more or it's going to be gone pretty quick. Uh, it's probably going to be more of a, a good packing snow that hangs around for a few more days, but the temperatures during the afternoon are going to go right back up above freezing. So the, the, what's missing out of this storm system and what we've been lacking for the last 30 days is real Arctic air. So this isn't technically really going to be preserved. Sure, it's going to be cold and damp, but it'll freeze and thaw at night, and then it'll freeze at night and thaw again in the afternoon. So eventually it'll melt away. Let's be honest. I mean, it's kind of ugly around here when it's cloudy every day and there's no snow on the ground, right? No, you're right. So maybe this gives you a little coating of snow and you expect, okay, a couple inches here or there. Again, you're looking at probably the biggest impact here is on the roads. And right now they're just slushy in most spots, which is, again, a product of not having any real cold air for the last 28 days. So, yeah, the snow will be laid down. It'll come down really hard. This winter was expected to be like last winter, kind of a, a wimpy one, and then you get one big snow, and then maybe that's all we're done with. You know, last year we had little to no snow until that February 3rd system. So this one puts down a pretty good coating of snow. You end up with a half foot in some spots, and next thing you know, it's, you know, down here by 2 or 3 in the afternoon. The roads are in much better shape later tonight. We get a freeze. We go back below freezing. But then the afternoons are going to still be above freezing. No Arctic air to follow here. And another one of these systems will start coming in every two to three day intervals. That's the thing. They've been coming up regularly, most of which have been rain. So as we move towards the Thursday and Friday, this is going to already have started to melt it down because we're going to be back well above freezing, I think, during the afternoon hours. And maybe even get a more of a combination of rain and snow again, perhaps. Uh, with the next system, maybe Saturday and again on Monday, Tuesday, somewhere in that frame. Again, he's Brian Wilkes from Fox 59. Joining us here for a little weather update on this Wednesday morning. So far, pretty calm in the metro area in terms of your commute in. Just a couple extra minutes for us, but it sounds like things will change a little bit here uh, into the late morning. Uh, just to reiterate, Brian... Of the five, six inches, whatever we are predicting here locally, you don't expect a whole lot of that to be sticking, though, roadways-wise? Well, I think, I think it'll start ramping up again between 8 through about 11, 12 o'clock. So I would say mid-morning before lunchtime, it'll start really kind of coming down in areas. And, it, and that, it, when it'll overcome. So the, the ground is cool. The grassy areas are, are picking up the snow. The road temperatures tend to hang on to the warmer air a little bit longer at night. But when it really starts to come down heavy, 
it'll be a slushy coating. It will get slick. It will snow very hard. The rates of the snowfall will start to pick up in some of these bands at about an inch an hour. So, yeah, conditions are going to deteriorate as we go deeper into the mid-morning hours and then start to improve again after lunchtime. And then we were watching you last night, and you mentioned you know, a couple models that indicated it could be a little bit south of us. How did that end up playing out? I know you said to us a few minutes ago, kind of that 30-mile band. I guess, what where is that 30-mile yeah, band? I, I, the, the track, the sweet spot of the storm track for us to get the significant snowfall is kind of like up from Memphis, Tennessee. It's got a track along the Ohio River. That seems to be still pretty good intact, and that's why I felt like maybe some of the heavier snow might fall a little further south in a Columbus, uh, Bloomington, Columbus to Richmond line. So uh, locally along the I-70 corridor, that still seems to be pretty good. I feel that because there will be at least a little bit of a jog south of the track, but maybe the amounts pick up a little bit further south. The real difficult or, tra- or the dicey location of snowfall, this cutoff where we know there would be, seem to be like areas like in Ripley County, down to Decatur County, or even up as far north as Rushville and Shelbyville might lag behind in snowfall, but then it would really jump up as you get into Marion County. So there's a little wiggle room here in terms of where the transition is. I felt like Lafayette may not get as much snow. Maybe they'll only wind up with three or four or five inches of snow. But this I-70 corridor seems to be the area where this band is going to hang around longer and sit there and kind of generate the snow. So, yeah, it's going to be a tight kind of corridor. But I would say that uh, overall, everything on to this is what I said in the newsroom yesterday. Everything seems to look too darn good to not to have something go wrong with this with right. the storm system. You know, it was like three days in a row. It continued. Every model says you're going to get all inch liquid. All of math, all the math and the factors that you put in together. And I just sat there and go, what? What's going to be? The, what's going to be the wrench that gets thrown into this thing? And it's still the temperature. If it were just another degree or two cooler, we'd be looking at probably a blanket of like eight to ten inches of snow across the entire area. But it's going to be this finite band and this tiny little track, the movement of about twenty to thirty miles of wherever that low goes who gets the bigger snow band and then he just kind of gets a slushy four or five inches Brian, before we let you go, I, I want to point this out for people that are listening. Brian Wilkes is with us from Fox 59 on the Pale of Sickers Hotline. And I know you got a busy day ahead, but uh, I-, I want people to be aware of this. You and I have known each other you know, a fair amount of time since you've been in the market. And there are a lot of people that are doing weather on television that do a good job, but they do it because they wanted to be on television and... and you know, they, they happen to be the one yeah, doing the no weather. Business like show business. That's right. But you love it, man. I mean, like, I want people oh, to know, like, you, you're you a kid that, you know, a lot of kids grew up listening to ball games. You were listening to weather radios, and you were watching yeah, maps, yeah. and you were studying this stuff. And, man, it, it shows in your work, man. I mean, you like, know, you, you, you what, understand this stuff. Jig, I think, but I wanted to get out of school more than anybody when I was a kid, you know. And I, I'd sit there, and I'd watch these weather forecast and you know this is back to this how old I am I remember when we got our weather uh, we used to turn into a hi-fi and listen to the radio to find out if our school was closed and when the storms were duds you know and you get and you'd ended up Mrs. Pepkowski I'd show up and I'd say hey Mrs. Pepkowski I didn't do my homework because we were supposed to have a snowstorm that was coming out on snow day <laughs> he got written up and went to the, you know, the office I got mad I tried to figure this stuff out you know I've been doing this for 30 years and every one of these snows are a challenge, trying to figure these things out. The most difficult forecast is snowfall forecast to this day and age. And you can throw all the computer data and all the stuff that we have at it. 
And, you know, the problem with it is it's just a matter of a couple of miles when it comes to these storms. And very rarely do we get the the slam dunk snows where just everybody gets everything exactly that you predicted. It's always going to be someone on the short side. It's, hey, we didn't get as much as you thought we did. And then there's going to be person who goes, man, we got everything you said it would be right. It's still such a challenge. And that's what I love about it, trying to figure this stuff out. And I'll tell you what, it's... Uh, it's still fun. It's exciting, but uh, I'm going to sit here and eat my cow chocula and my Frankenberry and trying to figure out what's coming. Hey, next. are you looking at Bears mock drafts right now? I'm looking at what? Are you Chicago Bears mock mock drafts right now? Oh, you know, I'm a diehard Bears fan. I eat, drink, I have Bears underwear. You know, I'm a Bears fan. <laughs> well, the very first team is when Walter Payton broke the record. So, am I looking at the draft? Yeah. Look, I threw everything I got at a franchise quarterback. I'm 54 years old, almost 55, and I've never had a franchise quarterback, so <laughs> I'm all in on this Justin Fields thing. This is my last shot, let's be honest. In fact, I'm so stupid, I think we should draft the other quarterback out of Ohio State. Just make it a nice competition, <laughs> because number one, the season's way too long, and don't take, don't take that the wrong way. It's, it's a long season, especially when you only win three games, but that was the most entertaining three-win season sure. I've ever seen as a Bear fan of my life. Number one. Number one, the Bears are ascending. Green Bay's descending. That's making me really happy. Uh, and number two, why not have two quarterbacks? Because look what happens when one guy gets hurt. Hello, Baltimore. Are you on the phone? Yeah, that's right. San, look at San Francisco, right? Pays to yeah, have somebody in the room. Come on. Hey, San Brian. Francisco goes three deep and they do that still and they're on their way. So you need to come to my PBR party. when, And I don't, this is, we have no idea when this is going to happen. But when we all sit around and watch sports and drink PBR, I want you there. Oh, absolutely. I'm down. Let's have a PBR and wait for some snow to get clinking again here this morning, okay? Brian, I know it's a crazy time. Thank you uh, for for hopping on with us this morning, and uh, good luck getting getting back in studio. Yeah, no worries. Okay, stay safe, everybody. That's Brian Wilkes from Fox 59 right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, not too bad so far. Morning commute does sound like some of the Donut counties, particularly out west, a little bit south of here. Uh, Got some more snow than we have. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the day plays out. But a little bit of snow coming, a little bit of slush as well. And, Jake, we mentioned this yesterday. Outside of the high school scene, which obviously you saw a ton of cancellations for games tonight, college-wise and NBA-wise, pretty much everybody's out of town. I use playing at the barn tonight, Purdue. I assume they'll be able to travel up to Ann Arbor. They play Michigan tomorrow night. Butler's at Providence. Uh, and the Pacers down in Disney. And the Mad Ants... They are at Gamebridge, right? They canceled yesterday. I know, uh, but I thought they rescheduled for today at oh, noon. Oh, did they? I, I th- so yeah, the, but I don't know so if the that's... the Red Claws are able to get in town? I don't know if that's like open to... The, are they the Red Claws or the Celtics? Oh, yeah, maybe they are the I think Celtics, they're, the, they're the main Red Claw Celtics, right? Yeah, they were supposed to play yesterday, and I saw that was canceled. But that was more due to Maine, right? Because Correct. of the travel. Correct. Have you ever eaten at Red town. Lobster, speaking of Red Claws? Have you ever oh, been... it's been a while. Mark, Red Lobster? Yeah, ultimate feast, of course, yes. <laughs> Excuse the me. only way to go. Get a little bit of everything. I've never. I don't know that. Is Red Lobster considered like a nice restaurant, or is it like like seafood fast food? Uh, uh probably a little bit. Is of it the Applebee's of the ocean? Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> okay. I mean, uh, Jake Giro Averro. Mm-hmm. What do you know about the Colts' second interview coming for Giro Averro? What I know about him is primarily that because of your excellent pronunciation of a tricky name, that that means I should defer to you on your knowledge of Azuro Averro. Uh, he is one that, t- to be honest, um, flippancy aside, he kind of reminds me of Chuck Pagano in this fact. He was not a name that necessarily 
originally jumped out and then all of a sudden kind of gets a late a, a late surge and you're like wait a minute it appears as though there's some interest here but yet was not i don't think in the beginning of this search one that that we were looking at because we thought for sure there were other names that we're going to prioritize over yeah him. he has been a popular name this cycle houston uh second interview with him i believe today uh that is we'll, we'll see where the colts fall on the schedule if that comes tomorrow but um Really thought of as an extremely bright, young, defensive mind. Um, has worked in the league for a little bit over a decade. You think about some of the big defensive names in the league. Monty Kiffin, uh, Wade Phillips. Um, I mean, that's it. If you look Fangio. at his resume, he's been at places where they're kind of known for having like a bell cow type defensive system where he, he would have learned under, right? Like San Francisco, Tampa. He's been in Denver. He's kind of been in a, in a number of different places for a number of different coaches. The Rams secondary coach when they won it all uh, last year, Jalen Ramsey, who we know can be a volatile personality, had a lot of praise for him. And really, it was about the only bright spot for Denver this year. In trading Bradley Chubb, one of their better defensive players midseason, Denver's defensive unit, I mean, hell, we all had a watch with our eyes bleeding that Thursday night football game. That was the side of the ball where they actually played pretty good football. Ironically, Jake, I think... Well, I guess Jeff Saturday would qualify, and maybe Bubba Ventrone, too. He's the one candidate that you have no idea where he's going to coach in 2023. Well, he, he was offered the interim, was he not, when Nathaniel Hackett was fired, and he said, no thanks? I think part of that is a relationship with Nathaniel Hackett. Right. Uh, college roommates at UC Davis, so very close there. Uh, but yeah, they went with Jerry Rosberg as the interim to end the season. But, you know, Averro's a guy that, even if he's not your head coach, I'm kind of curious, all right, if you hire more of an offensive-minded head coach... Could he be a defensive coordinator? Because, again, it's no slam dunk that in Denver um, he's going to be back there. We'll see what happens with Denver and how that plays out. So uh, we'll continue to keep you updated on that front. And talk about the Pacers last night and what was another comeback victory for them. Um, Just a really entertaining fourth quarter. Again, Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith. I thought that group. And Neesmith, it's not like he scored. I just thought he made a ton of hustle plays. But in the fourth, Benedict Matherin. Was uh was pretty incredible. Uh, Fifteen points in the fourth quarter, and the Pacers big three man hold off the Bulls. And, and again, that three, Jake. It's just no fear, no hesitation. The guy was zero for four from three leading into that shot, and he shot it like he was Buddy Healed. Little handoff from T.J. McConnell, no hesitation whatsoever. Hits that one, and the Pacers end a seven-game losing streak. Kevin, the number 11, speaking of 7, 7-11, the number 11 is significant in the state of Indiana in the world of sports this morning. Do you know why? Number 11. Oof. I will tell you at the top of the morning checkdown. Okay, okay. I'm on uh, pins and needles right now. Uh, Stephen Holder, 8 o'clock, Will Carroll, 9. Again, let us know, commute-wise, if you guys encounter anything uh, crazy. We're just here locally, so I know some of our outside listening audience, uh, things might be a little bit different, but not too bad coming downtown. Just a couple extra minutes with wet roads here on this Wednesday morning, but as we heard from Brian Wilkes a few minutes ago, sounds like a decent amount of snow coming our way the rest of the morning. It will be a bit of a slushy drive the rest of this Wednesday. Kevin and Quarry, 93.5107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Congratulations to Jasper, the pride of Jasper and now Indiana University baseball staff member Scott Rowland. 
who yesterday got the call that he will be headed to Cooperstown. He becomes the 11th Indiana-born player inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, the most recent since Chuck Klein in 1980. Mordecai Three-Finger Brown in 1949 was the first, but Roland becomes the first to be voted in by the Baseball Writers Association of America. The previous 10 all had been inducted into Cooperstown through various forms. Indiana is... Tenth all time among states with players born. And it had been a while since Indiana had someone go into yeah, Chuck Klein, nineteen eighty baseball hall of fame. Mark, will you retweet the Reds video of Scott Rowland and his parents? Really cool video last night of uh, Scott letting his parents know that he was going into the baseball hall of fame and quite the basketball player, right, Jake? Uh, he was actually, I think, a, over a thousand point score at Jasper, right? Indiana All Star. That's right. Um, all right, on the basketball front, last night the Pacers' big comeback win over the Bulls. They were down 21 at one point. Um, really a spirited third quarter from an effort standpoint. And then the fourth, you're thinking DeRozan, Levine, one of those guys. Boy, watching DeMar DeRozan hit mid-range jumper of a mid-range jumper. Like, analytics people have to be rolling over in their grave. But Benedict Matherin made some huge plays down the stretch for the Pacers to end a seven-game losing streak. Here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on the comeback win. I, you know, I thought the key was getting a little traction defensively in the second quarter. And while uh, we didn't win the quarter... Uh, we held them under 30, and we had a positive halftime. We talked about the fact that we were still very much in the game that they played last night, and we were starting to do some things that were causing them some problems, and just to hang in and stay together, and and that's exactly what happened. The guys fought their butts off in the third quarter. Miles was tremendous in the third. You know, we really started wearing him out on the inside, and then he hit some outside shots. And then, uh, you know, down the stretch, it was just it was just guts all the way. Uh, last night, also in the association, when Rick Carlisle was talking about teams coming off back-to-backs, that might be key, as we talked about, for LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers, who are set now five games away to come to Gambridge Fieldhouse on February 2nd. LeBron, after last night's 46-point performance, now has 40-point performances against all 30 NBA franchises. He is also now, based on his scoring average of the last five games, he would be on pace to potentially surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time scoring leader when the Lakers come to take on Indiana five games from now. But even though the NBA has placed calls to the Pacers about plans on how that would be received and celebrated should it happen here, one would expect that he is probably going to stay out of the game. Uh, speaking of back-to-backs, tonight Indiana in Orlando, four-and-a-half-point underdog. Paulo Boncaro did not play in the earlier meetings against the Pacers. He is back for the Magic. He is the heavy Rookie of the Year favorite, and if we know anything about Benedict Matherin, uh, he's taking note of that. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, in that one. Speaking of tonight, it'll be a little bit of a later tip from the barn, but IU heads up there on a three-game win streak to take on the horrific Minnesota Golden Gophers. Ten-and-a-half-point favorite IU. Minnesota without their leading score tonight in Dawson Garcia. Jake, you, you rarely say this about road Big Ten games. This probably qualifies as Indiana's easiest game the rest yeah, of the Yeah, one you should definitely get, right? And what? Indiana, give Indiana credit. They've kind of turned things around, and they're playing well. The last three for Minnesota, 60 points, 39, and 56. I can tell you that's actually, if you really want to know, that's an average of 51.3. Do you think he's right on that, Mark? 
I don't know. What, I'm not what doing were the numbers again? Uh, Butler at Providence, by the way, tonight. Heavy underdog per Actually, usual. Actually, 52. Butler. A- average of 52. Is that right, Mark? Do you want to look that up? Yeah, oh, yeah. One. Let me check. You are, are a huge nerd. <laughs> what do we do here, Mark? <laughs> that was right. What do we do on, you, on this Mark? program? We educate and entertain. Thanks. Speaking we, we of like that, kids are or kids are got no snow day or got a snow day. They don't want to learn. They're e learning. Some are. That stinks. Speaking it, of it, that, the commute in this morning not too bad for really any of us. Mark coming from the west side, Jake and I a little bit north of downtown. Uh, but we asked for some updates on Twitter from people. Michael mentioned from Carmel to Plainfield, the north side a little ugly, lots of snow and slippery on 465. He said after 38th Street though. Just seems like it was a rainy day. Uh, Nick over in Northwest Hendricks County to Brownsburg. Back roads are straight slush in town. A good amount of slush on I-74. So that's what Brian Wilkes mentioned with us a little bit earlier as the morning moves along. Some more snow, a little bit more slush. I have a feeling that the roads will get a little bit more difficult as we get closer to lunchtime and early afternoon. But what do you say? About 2 o'clock? Things will halt? 2 or 3 o'clock, yep. Around 5 to 6 inches. I'm still expected here locally. Again, you'll see more on the grass right now than on the roadways. Let's get more into the Pacers' comeback last night and also update you on the Colts' head coaching search. Reportedly, they have a second interview in place with the candidate that they interviewed actually first in the process from outside of their building. We'll explain more coming up next here. Kevin and Quarry, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Hi there and good morning on a Wednesday. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. First things first, if you are planning on getting into work this morning, uh, at this point the snow is coming down, dependent on the areas of town you are at varying levels. Downtown looks pretty good right now, but the north side in particular, it's falling at a pretty good rate. Uh, west side, additionally, I think it is. Uh, it is kind of a wet, slushy snow, so you certainly want to give yourself a little bit of extra time this morning. It's not impassable by any stretch of the imagination, but according to Brian Wilkes in our conversation about 30 minutes ago, uh, it'll really start to ramp up here in the next hour or so and fall consistently until about 2 o'clock this afternoon. So certainly give yourself a little bit of extra time. Last night, late in the game against the Chicago Bulls, Things that were falling for Indiana were shots, and in particular from the outside, Benedict Matherin securing things really with a flurry towards the end of the game as the Pacers put away the Bulls after trailing by as many as 21. And Kevin, this morning, I believe you were back online looking for where to buy bronze, correct? Well, yeah. The first thing I did was head over to the statue location, just make sure everything was salted properly around there and clear because we will have to do some work on it after last night. It was... um you know, when T.J. McConnell handed that ball off to Mathern at that point, you were thinking, at least I was thinking, okay, is he just going to drive this? I mean, he was such an effective driver, like he's been all season long. You know, really the thing that's probably been most impressive to me about Mathern as a rookie has been just his array of tricks that he has when he does drive. I mean, he's got that floater that seems like he shoots it from... You know, 10 feet out and it goes in at a pretty high frequency and then he obviously gets the foul line at an extraordinary rate particularly for a rookie um, you know he's got some reverse stuff some left-handed stuff he finishes through contact again the bag of tricks as a driver is beyond impressive for me but Jake last night when McConnell hands him the ball on that little handoff and I think Alex Caruso if I'm not mistaken was switched on to him Caruso is probably thinking Matherin's going to drive here. 
So he just naturally sits back a little bit. And just in one really fluid motion, Mathern, who had missed his first four attempts from three in the game, just rises up and hits it. And it was just a moment where that is a Buddy Heald level confidence. That would be something you would see from DeMar DeRozan at the other end of the floor. I just think you don't see rookies in that moment say, I'm taking this shot when I have struggled a bit from the perimeter in the game, have the confidence to go ahead and do it, and then obviously make the shot. And all of these attributes to me are why, again, he is just wired in a way that I think stardom is alive and well for him. And right now, without a closer, Jake, in Tyrese Halliburton street clothes, Benedict Matherin scoring 15 in the fourth quarter? You need that, and this team needed that last night. Obviously, they did some stuff in the third quarter that helped them create a an opportunity for that game. And Mathern wasn't on the floor to start the third quarter. You know, he he wasn't in the starting lineup. Um, but just another game this season that you walk away from and think that guy has all the makings of a star for the Pacers. There are certain players in any sport that you know. I remember in the Winning Time documentary, Ahmad Rashad saying. There are certain guys that 3-2-1, they let it go, and you know that ball's not going in. And then there are certain guys that you're like, that ball's going in. Now, Benedict Matherin is not yet at the point of his career where he automatically is a that ball's going in guy. No, definitely not. But what Benedict Matherin has that you don't see in every player, a lot of guys, Kevin, will tell you that they – think they're the guy but Benedict Matherin has like a persona about him and a swagger that you can tell he knows inside that he is soon to be the guy and I just I have watched when he checks into games and when he's on the floor when he hits a big shot he exudes an energy that says to you, that's why I'm here. That's what I'm supposed to do. There are certain guys that hit a big shot and they look as stunned or as excited as you do. Sure, yeah. And there are other guys that hit a big shot and you can tell that guy was born for that moment because they they just, that's, they thrive on it. And again, to be elite, you have to have that. Correct. Uh, sure, at times, is he taking a questionable shot or that two? That is correct. That it, is correct. Yes, and at times, you know, does that confidence probably borderline on cockiness? Without a doubt. But in the same way that Joe Burrow carries himself, I think Benedict Matherin carries himself in just having the confidence. But then also, he just kind of plays with an edge, which, again, I think the Pacers really, really needed. One, and there, were, there were moments last night, Jake, I'll just sneak this in, where, I mean, when you're down 20 and you've got a back-to-back, I'm thinking to myself for a second there, when are they going to win another game? Right. You're in Orlando tonight coming off a of back-to-back. Orlando just beat Boston on Monday. They didn't play last night. You've got the Bucks on Friday. You've got the Grizzlies on Sunday. You mentioned it earlier. Lakers-Kings back-to-back next week. Boy, as someone that has a bit of a financial investment into things, I'm thinking, oh, God, am I going to get to the All-Star break and they're going to be on a 21-game losing streak here? But that's probably more of a degenerate thought than anything. You know, one other thing before we get on to the Colts conversation as well, 
and it was it's justified. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it absolutely is justified. Last night, 26-7, 11-21 from the floor, a couple of threes. But Miles Turner played sensational. But have you noticed yeah, that in the last few weeks that Rick Carlisle, any chance he has the opportunity, gives, gives some love to Miles Turner? Oh, and... Well, talks not, him up a little bit? It's not a little bit. It's a lot. Yeah. The greatest shot blocker in the world. Yeah, I mean, they, oh, yeah. Know, they know what they're doing, They right? know full well that trade deadline's coming up here in two weeks. Of course, if I'm Turner's agent, aren't you saying, wait, if your head coach is saying this, shouldn't the contract be more? Well, yeah. It kind of goes both ways on that. Tonight, I'm again, I know they might not guard each other on a routine basis, but we've seen Matherin circle the games against guys drafted ahead of him often this season. Boncaro deserved to be drafted, of course, where he was. He's been the Rookie of the Year favorite. He's the heavy favorite in Vegas right now. Again, he did not play in the earlier meetings with the Pacers. Um, That will be something to keep an eye on tonight. Again, the Colts head coaching search, Jero Avero. That appears to be a second interview candidate for Indianapolis. He was the first outside-the-building candidate that took place a couple of Thursdays ago. We'll chat more about that with Stephen Holder here coming up. Jake, something I want to talk to Stephen about. I'll admit that I don't have a I should have a better understanding of the head coaching interview rules than I do. I'm kind of learning them on the fly a bit. The process is a lot different than it was in 2018. I thought I read yesterday that they can't even interview D'Amico Ryans on Monday. Well, the rules have changed in the fact that they can interview coordinators that are still in play, but it's within parameters, right? Within certain days? Well, that, and I believe if the 49ers win and go to the Super Bowl, the only way you can talk to Ryan's next week during that Super Bowl off week is if you already interviewed him earlier in the process. And remember, Ryan's had four interviews scheduled with... I believe it was Arizona, Indy, Denver, and Houston. He did the Denver and Houston interviews, felt like he was doing too much, decided to decline the other two. Um, so I want to clarify that with Steven because if you can't talk to D'Amico Ryans potentially till after the Super Bowl, are you going to be that patient? Well, that's a, that would tell if they're waiting that long, that would tell you that he's their front runner, right? And then do you run into the situation, Jake, where what if Houston? Keeps their opening and then you lose out on that somebody, long, right. and then you lose out on him. So, um, unlike the other three, so the other three coordinators that are coaching this weekend, all offensive coordinators, Eric Bieniemy, Shane Steichen, Brian Callahan, the Colts interviewed all three of those originally. So when Monday occurs, no matter win or lose, they can talk with those guys again. I know we're kind of deep into the weeds of the rules and the logistics with all of this, and it complicates the hell out of me. But that is something I want to clarify with Steven and obviously talk a little bit more about Ajero Averro. Um, so far, weather-wise... Can for, you see Riley Towers? Barely. Just kind of the light, honestly, at the top of it. So commute, extra few minutes for really all of us. Um, but it sounds like north side, west side, more snow beginning to fall, some slushy roadways... It really just looked like kind of a rainy morning for me on the commute. I would agree with that. But it was coming down. I mean, it was... And the sidewalks were on. It, walking out to my car was a little bit it's dicier. A great pa- it, it is a fabulous... Anything. You know what? I can't wait to throw a snowball at Rosie later. It's supposed wow. to finish around 3. What, Mark? 
mean, if you have young children, this is the perfect day at three o'clock once the e-learning is done or whatever to go out and make a snowman with them. Your kids will remember it for a long time. I still vividly remember my mom taking me out to do snow angels in the front yard, and that was 50 years ago. I can picture the fort we had. We were at the end of a cul-de-sac. We would have a fort that we would set up. I think one year when the Colts were in the playoffs, we might have even dyed the fort a little bit blue. This oh, is pretty the, awesome. This my, par- is my parents fort. live on a cul-de-sac, too, and the snowplow would push all the snow right, right into our right. front yard. It's is the best. I used to the shovel best. an IU sign into the front yard. <laughs> and I was like A little three for Jay time. Edwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. That, uh-huh. that looks like Jake's woken up. No snow jokes there. Uh, God, jeez. God. Smooth Still transition. Too much time to, left in the show for that. Real answer. smooth transition yeah, to Stephen yeah. Holder joining us next here. Kevin and Query on a bit of an ugly start to this Wednesday. Again, more snow coming later in the morning. So safe commute out there to everybody. Now, Mark, I understand the significance of this song uh-huh. because, of course, the artist is Snow. Yes, right? very good. But I, I have to admit, I'm a little bit embarrassed. That, that you would use this as a lead-in for our next guest, because if there's one thing that I've learned about Stephen Holder in the, the last few weeks, it's mm-hmm. that he has the finest of palettes when it comes to hip-hop and yeah. rap performers. Well, the other option was like I don't know that, peppers. isn't he like a German fella, the informer guy? Oh, I have no idea. I, I think that's right, yeah. Well, that's little, fine. That's all, that's all just for the weather today. It's like taking a guy that's that's buying most of his clothes at Brooks Brothers in, in Joseph A. Bank and all of a sudden walking him into... Strong you know, fashion for Stephen Holder, by the way. I don't want to disparage any other clothes. I was wondering who you were going to throw under the bus there. There goes those endorsements. (laughs) (laughs) I was very careful there. Steven, how do things look in the Lawrence area outside right now? Uh, Actually, I was a little disappointed when I woke up. I I thought I was going to wake up to Snowmageddon. But uh, bigger flakes now coming down. So uh, the old satellite dish has decided not to uh, cooperate. So I guess it's getting, getting messy out there. So, sounds yeah, like, I still have satellite, I know. Sounds like that's going to be the case all morning long. Uh, snow going to pick up. Visibility, Jake, you mentioned this earlier. It's getting a little bit less and less as I look outside here. So keep an eye on that. And uh sounds like the commute home or around lunchtime could get a little bit dicey. Uh, we He was going to mention snowflakes, but that's the other floor, right? That's the fourth floor? <laughs> okay. Uh, Steven, where do things stand on the cold search? Like, Is this going to be like American Idol? Do we have another two months of rounds to go here? Sure, why not? Uh, it, it might be a process preferable to the last one, right? So um, <laughs> what I would say is that this is what Chris Ballard told us he would do. He said he would be very methodical. He said he would take his time. And I, I can't remember if we've discussed this before, but I, I do think there are some lessons here uh, from the last go-round, and, and I mean five years ago, you know, when they arrived at Josh McDaniels, I mean, they had a legitimate process there. They did interview quite a few candidates. I can't remember the exact number, uh, but it it seemed as though pretty early on they were focused on Josh McDaniels. And I get the sense that this time they're going completely in the other direction, which is to say they don't want to have any such situation where they are overly focused on one individual and they are taking a really open-minded approach. Uh, These were very preliminary interviews and I anticipate whoever gets this job will have to do a second interview in person. So we're not there yet, apparently. Overly focused on one individual. Um, That's probably how you could describe Jim Mercer's opinion of Jeff Saturday um, for long stretches here to end the 2022 season and maybe even into 2023. Steven, has your opinion changed at all? 
on how Jim Mercer views Jeff Saturday permanently for this job? I, I think not yet, but I, I do think this. Uh, I, I think that Chris Ballard and, and those who are conducting, or I, I guess putting together the list of candidates, they clearly are trying to be very thorough. And so I think, for example, you have, you have Rich Vasasio, who I thought I was surprised to see him on the list. It makes sense. It, it makes total sense. But, special teams but coordinator. Correct. Special teams coordinator was an interim coach who had relative success in Las Vegas. They made the playoffs after you, you talk about the Colts. Oof. Right off the field, or not even off the field, but just distractions. Uh, well, what did the Raiders go through, right, in 2021? I mean, that was just unprecedented, right? You had your coach uh, embroiled in a scandal. You had a, a player involved in a, a death, a uh, fatal accident, uh, allegedly drunk. I mean, all kinds of things, right? And he's, and Rich Vasatia stared that team through that. So my point is, that's just one very, very small example of, I think, an effort to put together a list of candidates that, that contrast. You know, um, whatever else may be on the table, including just Saturday. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, they're doing their best. (laughs) The other people in the franchise certainly are doing their best uh, to give a wide array of choices. And I think with every impressive candidate who interviews, it makes it certainly harder for Jim Mersey to overrule uh, those, those very quality choices and to say that Jeff Saturday is the best candidate for the job. When you say, and Stephen Holder from ESPN.com is with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline, when you say other people in the organization, I think early on, Jim Mercer kind of takes a backseat to these first interviews. You know, most of them virtual. Exactly right. You know, he's not heavily involved right now. But I'm curious about Carly Ursay, the oldest daughter you know we oftentimes have seen her on the sidelines whether at practice or in games she's taken more and more of a role um, I think day-to-day operations certainly but I'm curious if she is sitting in on these initial interviews because if she's another voice that has seen these other candidates not named Jeff Saturday maybe she would say to her father at the end of this hey I really like you know insert candidate here and I don't know maybe that is another voice that Jim Irsay says you know what it's not just Chris Ballard saying that. It's my daughter who it seems like eventually he will turn things over to. So to answer your question, yes, 100%. Carly Ursay is, in is involved in these interviews. Uh, they have been virtual, but she is definitely heavily involved. That is my understanding. I would also add, this is, I think, interesting. I, I do not get the impression that Jamerse has been heavily involved, which is something you just alluded to. Uh, that is correct. He has not been heavily involved at all in this particular aspect or this particular stage, I guess I should say, uh, to my understanding. Now, that doesn't mean that that he isn't getting looped in and that he, um, you know, maybe he's watching Zoom recordings of the interviews. I don't know, right? But but he's not, he's not heavily involved here. So, I don't know what to take away from that particular fact, but that is the case. And, and we'll see uh, what happens in the second round and how that gets approached. But, but Carly Ursa definitely is heavily involved, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I know that as they were 
uh, talking about potential candidates and, and having conversations like that, she was definitely at the center of those conversations as well. So every step of the way so far, Carly Ursay has been a big part of this. I, I understand possibly Kaylin Ursay as well. Stephen Holder is our guest on the Payless Zuckers Hotline. Of course, he is with ESPN and is the writer for the Colts in the NFL. Stephen, in that capacity with Jim Ursay, do you believe – Jim Mercer might not have been involved with round one of interviews. Do you believe that if he was not involved in round two, that Jeff Saturday would be getting a second one? Um, I don't know. Well, I, I don't even know that it's been established that, that Jeff Saturday is getting a second one, but uh, do I anticipate that he will? Uh, I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, if, like who's going to rule him out, right? Who, who's going to rule him out of of the in person interviews? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Is, is Jim Mercer going to vote to rule him out? You know, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how they're going to shape, you know, the the list of finalists. I, I don't, I can't speak to that, right? How they are going to weed people out? That I don't know. But but certainly the guy whose vote counts the most, you would think. Uh, would be open to to having Jeff come in and sit down uh, for for a second interview. Uh, I, I don't. I anticipate there might be several, but the other factor here is this is not the question, but the other factor is it, it'll be interesting to see when the dominoes start falling here. Right? Uh, Sean Payton's got some things lined up this week, but you know, does does he? Uh, become a guy who who maybe is the first domino to fall, and yeah. does that Dan create Quinn. other dominoes? Sorry, Dan Quinn. I feel like you yeah, know. I was going to say Dan. Yeah, one, yeah. exactly. He, he's lining up. Uh, I think he's. I think he's in Arizona, maybe today or yesterday. It's for uh, a follow up. So that's getting that's getting closer. So so I don't know. I, I guess what I'm saying is when when that first domino falls, no one's been hired yet. I do anticipate you'll see other moves come maybe quickly after that. You know, I'm curious of this, Stephen, in terms of like the league rules. You know, I get the fact that when you reach out to and you ask permission to a franchise to interview one of their coaches, it's with the understanding that it would be for that coach to have an opportunity to elevate their profile within the league or, you know, get a promotion in terms of what rung of coaching they're in. Uh, How does it, what is the slippery slope of, is it possible that the Colts have conducted interviews for, quote, their head coach? when in fact they're actually doing diligence to see if it's someone they want to pluck away for a coordinator position. Is that possible? It is possible. I've actually wondered that, and I don't know who specifically fits that profile, but but when you're interviewing, I believe the number is 13 now, I think, or at least there have been 13 requests, I believe, then you start to wonder that. I, I think that's a very fair question. I have wondered it. I don't know the answer but I think it's a fair question and, and not something that is, is off the table. I mean, you wouldn't tell the candidate that, but, but certainly it could be something that is, that is being considered by the Colts. The other thing is, you know, some of these coaches down the line, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a, a candidate who comes available for a role such as you're talking about, a, a coordinator role. Uh, we've, we've talked about or we've heard about coaches um, – potentially talking about who their, their uh, you know, if an offensive coordinator, for example, gets hired away, 
who would be, you know, sort of your, your backup plan. We've heard about uh, conversations like that happening in this hiring cycle because that has been an issue. So you never know. There's lots of different variables at work, and I, I think all of those things are possible. Also, Stephen, I wanted to ask you about this. Last night, um, I was scrolling through on ESPN.com, and they had a, an article on NFL predictions. And, and I I think this was before I took melatonin. I Maybe I was hallucinating. <laughs> One of them I saw, they predicted two teams that Aaron Rodgers could play for next year if it is not the Green Bay Packers which I always yeah. find a little unique because he's under contract, but he seems to be kind of a diva. Um, New York Jets and Indianapolis Colts was one of those. Your thoughts? So, yes, I have thoughts. So the article was was quoting, I think it was Jeremy Fowler, my colleague. The, the article was a, a reflection of what uh, decision makers around the league predict might happen. And so the question that was asked of them, what do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers if, in fact, he does not go back to Green Bay? Which is always possible because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's exhausting, right? So apparently some one or more mentioned the Colts as a possibility, and, and, and the, the rationale there was, look, they have had this, this revolving door of veteran quarterbacks, but this guy would be a, a different level and, and much more of a sure thing. I mean, I think I generally agree with that, but I also think that it doesn't help them in the long term. And, and if you bring Aaron Rodgers in, and listen, like 17 dominoes would have to fall before that even happened, right? This is very, very, very hypothetical. But for whatever, what the hell, right? We're, we're talking about it, so let's go. What I would say is... Even if you, you think he, he has this huge immediate impact, which he would, I think, you still don't solve your long-term problems. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers could walk out of the door a year from now, right? I mean, so you never know what you're dealing with with him, and, and it's a constant question about his future. I, I don't think that this is a team that needs to create more questions at quarterback. So that's my initial reaction to that. And Stephen Holder with us here, ESPN.com on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, I wanted to clarify something. In a way, I feel like you're I'm being asked. I'm asking you to check my work on this, but the D'Amico Ryan situation is really interesting to me. And again, we haven't covered a head coaching search since 2018, and the rules have changed a lot, really, since 2018. Yeah. But do I have this correct in that the Colts can't even talk to D'Amico Ryans on Monday if San Francisco is still playing for a Super Bowl, and I believe I have this correct. There's four coaches left in the playoffs that the Colts have reported interest in. They've interviewed three of them, the three offensive coordinators that we'll see on Sunday, Brian Callahan with Cincinnati, Shane Steich in Philly, Eric Bieniemy Kansas City. But they didn't talk to D'Amico Ryans initially. He declined, I think, two of the four interview requests just because he didn't have enough time. And I believe the NFL rule states... If you didn't talk to them prior to the Super Bowl, if they make the Super Bowl, you've got to wait until after that game to speak with them? So, I it is so confusing. You are correct, yes. <laughs> they, they it's so confusing. The They've changed them a lot. And I'm trying to – I don't want to misinform the listeners, so I'm going to be careful. Uh, they uh, – you know what? We'll have to – I think I'm going to have to – to actually do my own double checking on this because I don't remember. And, and I'm, I'm actually, as we're talking here, I'm scrolling, trying to remember. Uh, I think, 
uh, yeah, let's not let's not guess. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I feel I mean, it's kind of embarrassing that I, I think I should know this, but I I feel like I might be kind of sort of guessing. So let's. I mean, let's I didn't know it that. until last night. To be totally honest yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, and uh, basically, I, I think they think can talk. Was, they can talk to the was, other coordinators. Happened. They can talk to the ones that they've already spoken with. So, Bienemy, Steichen. Mm-hmm. Callahan. If any of those guys are in the Super Bowl, they can talk with them during the Super Bowl off week because they've already done one interview with them. But in Ryan's case, who, you know, by all accounts, I think in some people's eyes, he's the most coveted candidate this coaching cycle. The fact that he didn't speak with Indy means if San Francisco wins on Sunday, you wouldn't be able to talk to him till February 13th. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's yeah, here it is actually. I'm looking at it here. So, he yeah, he can't do interviews uh, I believe he, can't, he definitely can't do interviews before this game coming up. Um, yeah, it, it's complicated. Hey, it, would it you wait like, that long to talk to him? I, I don't know. That's I, it, it would it would make me uncomfortable. I would say that. Um, and and look, he he made a choice, frankly, by by bailing on the interview. I'm not well. Bailing's the wrong word, right? I mean, he was doing what he felt he had to do, right? And and kudos to him, right, for prioritizing his work. Uh, but you know it, it, that came with some consequences too, you know. And and so that's that's just a reality. That's just a reality. Um, actually, I'm looking at it now, and and the latest coverage says should the 49ers win the NFC title game, Ryan's would have to complete any additional interviews by February 5th. Um, so I don't know. It's it's very confusing. I, I think it may be. We'll have to get this clarified and, and put it up on Twitter. Let's do that. Okay. Well, yeah, we, <laughs> we can, I'm confused. Yeah, we will collaborate on that okay. here. Um, anything yeah. to note on Ajero Avero? That is reportedly going to be a second interview for the Colts. Denver's defensive coordinator last year before that was a secondary coach with the Rams, obviously on their Super Bowl team. Um, anything stand out to you about the Avero name? Uh, well, yeah, he, he actually he's got a lot of varied experience in the league, been on – uh, quite a few different staffs. I remember in my early days in Tampa Bay, uh, he was, I think, like a quality control coach on that staff. Someone, honestly, I never talked to. But, you know, if you think about who was who was on that, that Tampa Bay staff, you know, who in some of his formative years, you know, um, at one point, Mike Tomlin, Raheem Morris, obviously that was John Gruden's staff as the head coach. Uh, Monty Kiffin was on that staff, you know, legendary coordinator. So, like, these are some of the people who informed his is you know sort of helped form who he's become as a head coach, and then he's gone on to work in lots of other places as well. I'll say this: for what it's worth, maybe people don't care, but I mean, to get that that Broncos defense to play as consistently as he did uh, for a team that seemed to be in a lot of dysfunction, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So that's about as much as I can say. I don't know how how all that translates to a head coach. But but certainly he made a, a good impression, it, it would seem. And he seems like he also strikes me as a serious guy. You know, not that Frank Reich wasn't, but I think they clearly they they want you know sort of a a serious person for this job. Uh, that's my impression, and so he probably fits that bill as well. Stephen, my sister's birthday is February sixth. It's also Axel Rose's birthday. I think Babe Ruth's also. Um, which is a safer bet that on my sister's birthday we will know who the Colts head coach is or the Colts in the NFL draft will select fourth? 
I'm sorry. What was the last part again? Or that or the what? Colts will select where they are slotted to select in the NFL draft. Mm, um, I think we. I think we may know by the sixth. I think we may know. Uh, I mean, I think next week is probably the pivotal week. And the other thing to note here is this is not a reason to do it, but they they, do, they prefer not to have these teams, uh, you know, do these kinds of announcements the week of the Super Bowl that is strongly discouraged by the NFL so that, the, you know, the Super Bowl can have all the coverage and, and not be interrupted. It's kind of an unwritten rule, but it is something that, that's important. So to do that, and I'm not saying that's why they do it, but, but that would be another variable perhaps why we may learn something next week. I just think the dominoes are going to start to fall and it may behoove you to make a decision, you know, by, you know, by, by that, that week before the Super Bowl. But we'll see. We Do you see. think, when you look at the other franchises that are in the same mix looking for a coach, is Indianapolis in any sort of a competition for anybody? Is Do you believe that there is a coach that they are saying to themselves, that is our guy and that's who we have to get come hell or high water? Well, I don't know if they're saying that specifically, but, but if, if we're talking about possible competition, I, I think Dan Quinn would be, would be the guy who there, there may be some competition for. I mean, we, we know of another second interview for him. We know, it appears, the Colts want to talk to him again. So that's two teams that are taking particular interest in him. He's also, obviously, one of the premier candidates in this cycle. You know, we've, we've known that for quite some time. So none of this is surprising. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, if there is another team in the mix for, for the, the candidate, the Colts target, it may be telling, you know, in, in terms of where he ends up going. It may be telling in terms of what people think about the Colts and, and what kind of pitch the Colts are making. Yeah, what happens with that first domino? I, I agree, Stephen. It's been pretty quiet so far. Yeah. I think another thing to keep in mind, if you wait, you know, does that hinder what type of coaching staff that coach could build as that. well. Reggie Wayne yeah. had an interesting tweet last week about just kind of the uh, the ruthless nature to the coaching aspect in the NFL. I think that's another thing to weigh. Uh, Stephen, good luck if you make the trek out. Again, right now, not too bad, but it sounds like a little bit dicier as the morning moves along. Uh, appreciate the time this morning. You got it, guys. No problem. Stephen Holder right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Jake, I thought that was a good question that you asked him about. You know, these candidates are not just head coaching candidates. Avero, by all accounts, he doesn't have a job for next year. He was on the right. Denver staff that fired Nathaniel Hackett, of course. So if you hire an offensive-minded head coach, would Avero look at things similar to what he had in Denver and say, oh, yeah, I can go run the defense over there. That can be my baby, like Matt Eberflus had here, um, or Gus Bradley. And vice versa, if you hire a Raheem Morris or a D'Amico Ryans or a Dan Quinn, the name that I keep on seeing, and I think he's interviewed for some offensive coordinator jobs, does Eric Bieniemy just realize that I've got to move out of Kansas City if I ever want to be a real serious candidate? Is being under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes actually I, I, I think, keeping him? I, I think having Mahomes may be because people think, well, gosh, anybody could... sure. And he doesn't call the plays, which I know is right. not the end-all, be-all. Obviously, there are coaches, Nick Sirianni being one of them, that is that have proven otherwise. But there's something holding him back. Does he view, I need to get out of this situation to try and whatever, further bolster my resume 
And would Indy be a place for that? I thought he interviewed for the offense coordinator job in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. I get the impression. What is Gus Bradley's contractual status? It's a good question. Um, I'm not 100% positive. I know Reggie Wayne's on a two-year deal, so technically he, he's under contract. But you would think you would give the new head coach full autonomy to hire If Jeff Saturday is hired, I'm not certain that Gus Bradley is your D coordinator. Oh, no. I don't, I, I don't think he would be. Yeah. No. And again... That's part of the fascination to me with Jeff Saturday. Not that I'm saying that he deserves it by any means, but what would his staff look like? Uh, Dan Orlovsky and Herm Edwards. I saw Mina Kimes for defensive coordinator. Yeah, there you go. I think this is what tells you everything you need to know about Jeff Saturday's candidacy. He felt the need to text his ESPN colleague resume bullet points to tweet out to try and get him the job. When you feel the need to have to do that, that tells you everything you need to know about your resume. You think he did that with Orlovsky? I think he's done that with several people. Okay. I think Dan Orlovsky was one of them. So Orlovsky, the only one that used it. <laughs> Look, I think Jeff Saturday. Hey man, in case you missed it, we led after the first quarter three times. You mind tweeting that out, and you know you can get the quarterbacks coaching job here. I think Saturday is of interest and intrigue because what Jeff Saturday would be able to do if he is to become the head coach here is then one would assume he would be able to surround himself with people that are on board with him as opposed to those that are perhaps wondering why he's in the room and then you'll get a true measure as to whether or not he is good i i think the owner really likes jim Ur- or really like jim mercy the owner really likes jeff saturday but i also think that people have become which is fascinating to me, overly vociferous to let Jim Mersey know of how they would feel about Jeff Saturday as a head coach. I don't know that it's Ursay's place to listen to fan noise. I, I, you know what I mean? You've got to, but I said earlier, Kevin, the one thing that to me is very interesting about Jeff Saturday and his status. I think people love him as a player. They like him as a guy. Obviously, he's a great guy. Um, But what happened with him as a head coach, I'm going to go back to something I said earlier this week. When people ask and and wonder and talk about whether or not Peyton Manning would come back in any sort of a role with the Indianapolis Colts, I think what you see with Jeff Saturday in in terms of the complication of his relationship now with the fan base based on his wearing a hooded sweatshirt, having different results than wearing a jersey – is the exact reason why Peyton Manning's like, I, I don't want to go yeah. there. No, I, because, I think it's it's a great point. I mean, Manning is very, very, very – he holds in the highest of regard the way that he is perceived by the fans. And maybe, I don't know, maybe Jeff Saturday will share this at some point. Jeff Saturday probably is a bit surprised by the opinion of him from the fan base. I, I think that's accurate. It has changed. Um, I will point out this as well. Rich Bisacci, the name that Stephen brought up, special teams coordinator in Green Bay right now. Last year, the interim coach with the Raiders, seven and five as interim coach. Stephen laid out horrific situation. I mean, you, you think the Colts had dysfunction? Look at the Raiders last year. Gets them into the playoffs, and they almost beat Cincinnati in the wild card round. The old, one of the big reasons why he's being interviewed is because he went seven and five as an interim head coach and got the Raiders to the playoffs. 
And yet, the Jeff Saturday 1-7 and seven record is not viewed as a bullet point that needs to be evaluated. Just seems like you're kind of picking and choosing benchmarks there. Doesn't uh, Rich Basaccia, that sounds like a, a kiosk at Saks, doesn't it? I thought it sounded like something you'd see at like Mama Corolla's on the menu. and you're That kinda, too. Can you explain that to me? Is that a special that I'd I... I'd like to get the leather handbag over there, that, that Rich Basaccia. How much is that? It's starting to really snow. Yeah, it looks good. It's a little gray. Visibility waning as well. So um, it seems like based off what we endured from a commute in, it's gotten worse, yeah, I'd agree. I, I would argue. Again, it's starting this to stick, too. A couple hours ago. So um, we were warned of this. More snow, a little bit more slushy roadways here the rest of the morning. The commute in was not bad at all, really, for us, but sounds like things are changed. And let's hit a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Speaking of Ball State, kind of a yin and yang last night for kids from Jasper, Indiana, beginning with Michael Lewis's Ball State Cardinals 91-65 on the short end against Buffalo. That puts Buffalo at 10-10 and overall. They are now 4-3 and in the MAC. Also 4-3 in the MAC. Michael Lewis's cards after the loss last night. Again, 91-65. That's the first loss at home for Ball State. But on the other side of things, the Yang for kids from Jasper. Congratulations to Scott Rowland, who yesterday became the 11th Indiana-born player inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I guess actually it's just known as the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. He is the first to be inducted by the Baseball Writers of America. Chuck Klein, the last Hoosier inducted in terms of Indiana-born players back in 1980. So that's what, 75% vote? Is that it? Correct. He got 75.6, I believe. And the Todd Helton was the other closest? 73.9. He was really close. A-Rod was like half that? Yeah, you know. Baseball Hall of Fame's odd. It's the worst to me. Excuse me? It's the worst. I I disagree. Speaking I think, of the worst. I think I, it's the most prestigious. <laughs> I, I would say one of the worst first quarters of the season last night for the Pacers. 21 points despite zero turnovers. It's not something that you typically see. Uh, but an incredible comeback, really, from there. The second half was spurred by TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, Miles Turner, among others, in the third quarter. And then Benedict Matherin in the fourth um, he had 17 points in the final quarter, hit a huge three with a minute to go uh, for the Pacers to take the lead. They got a steal there late in that one, and the seven-game losing streak is over. For the game, Matherin had 26 points. He was 7 of 8 after halftime. Again, Miles Turner had some big moments in the third quarter. Here was Miles afterwards on the seven-game losing streak ending. Um, I think it was all about our trust, man. I think that that first half we just weren't in sync. You know, we weren't together uh, as a cohesive unit as we are in the as we were in the past. And um, that was really just a message, just to get back on the same page and get back to competing and playing hard and let the chips fall where they may. I feel like I feel like it's a message I personally been preaching, you know, over the past week or so. Is just we just got to play harder, man. You know, it's a make or miss league, but you know, hard play covers up a lot. And um, you know, we got we got we have the guys to do it. Jake, I know it's oftentimes a cliche. I did feel like Indiana just played harder in the third quarter got some big hustle plays that helped get them back into it because when you have a back-to-back like they do tonight the coach falls into that awkward scenario of like when do you just throw up the white flag well rick carlisle knew that chicago was coming on a back-to-back right so he knew can maybe wear them out correct yeah uh, by the way that speaking of cliches where the chips fall what, what is that you would think that's from poker right where you throw the chips in but what does it matter where they land what, what game is that a you, roulette reference? What game is it? That would probably be right, roulette, right? But you, but you, 
you place personally, like you 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 intentionally well, place the chips. You in got the a lot right? of money, yes. and you maybe had a drink or two. You might just throw them over your shoulder and say, "Yeah, wherever they fall." Yeah, that's probably I mean, that so probably this is it. Apparently, has nothing to do with gambling of any really? sort. What do we so do? Let on the this chips program, fall. We'll be educating and entertain. Doritos? No, I wish. Let the chips fall where they may. It's an American idiom that came into use in the late 1800s and refers to wood chips scattering as one chops wood. Yeah, it sounds like a former Colts head coach. Yeah, the yeah. images of Chuck one concentrating on the work at hand, not the inconsequential chips of wood. You know that the Colts coach you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Woodchuck. Yeah. Chuck Pagano. How much wood, wood, wood How Chuck, is that wood, not wood, just Chuck, branded, you know, above his bathroom each morning, slaps that on the wall <laughs> for that slogan to get his day started. Iron sharpens iron, close sure. second. Without a doubt, a four-and-a-half-point underdog, Indiana, tonight in Orlando for that back-to-back. Uh, speaking of tonight, college basketball, it is up in the barn. This, this kind of looks like Minnesota weather outside. Yeah, I would want to be in a barn tonight. Are you going to watch the game tonight? Sure. Hunker down? Nine o'clock. It's a late one. Ten and a half point under, underdog, Minnesota. Don't often see a road favorite double digits in the Big Ten. But Nobody as we can guard s- Trace Jackson Davis, right? As we saw with Purdue a couple weeks ago, I guess so that was last week at Minnesota. Uh, they stink. And their leading scores out, Dawson Garcia. Uh, for Race Thompson, it is a homecoming of sorts. Here was Race after making his return to the lineup last week. When it first happened, I thought it was pretty much over with. The way it felt, uh, the way I knew it looked. Uh, I pretty much thought it, uh, that my career was uh, wrapped. Thankful for the uh, Iowa trainers, uh, Timmy G, all of them, uh, giving me MRIs quick, uh, getting all the results back, and then uh, just a lot of treatment, and uh, I'm able to run around feeling better every day now. Jake, now, could they have woken him up before the interview? When he went down two two weeks ago, I, I agree with him. I thought it was season over. He was back. Uh, just a few minutes for him in that win over Michigan State, but uh, Ray, Thompson, Ray Thompson's father, right, at Minnesota? Correct. Daryl Thompson was a great running back in the same era as Anthony Thompson when Anthony Thompson was at Indiana. Very good running back in the Big Ten. Butler is at Providence tonight, as you would expect. Butler, heavy underdog in that one. So we mentioned this earlier. I know a lot of high school cancellations for Wednesday night from a college. I think IUPUI is at Fort Wayne, if I'm not not mistaken, tonight. From a college standpoint, Purdue, Indiana, Butler, they're all on the road here midweek and the Pacers of course at Orlando before returning to take on the Bucks coming up Mark, on Friday. Did he did With, he recap the Notre Dame game? Did we just skim over that? I thought it was a pretty good effort. I thought for I thought for stretches that they were going to pull off the upset. Do you think Mark Notre Dame by the way, what are the two games under 500 now? 3 9 and 12. Uh since Butler's they in Providence, stink. do you think Tucker will be there, Mark? Oh, maybe. Is it? Doesn't he live in Providence? Yeah, I think he does. I think of a lot of our listeners might be saying Tucker Barnhart. Is he still down in Miami though? They've never heard of a Brian Healy. <laughs> He's he was talking to the Rice Roni folks That's the right. whole time. That's right. <laughs> Continuing to get some updates weather wise uh, from Name's up in Norm from up in Carmel. Uh, coming down very hard up there again. The West Side sounds a little dicey, and boy, the visibility just in the last yeah, 20 minutes yeah, it's starting to come down now. Has turned totally changed so if you're just waking up wasn't too bad for us commuting downtown this morning but it sounds like it's changing very very quickly and this was the expectation we had brian wilkes from fox 59 on earlier he warned us that it could be about an inch an hour here leading into uh lunchtime so be careful out there thank you everybody from a snowplow salt standpoint and certainly everybody from a first responder standpoint that they just can't e-learn it today and they've got jobs that need to be 
in person to do. So safe travels, everybody out there. Kevin Aquari coming back here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. 20 minutes before the hour of 9 o'clock. Little update on a couple of things for you here. First off, uh, it's coming we down. talked about this morning. Yeah, it was on our way in this morning, our, res- our respective drives in just before 7 o'clock. It was just starting to really snow, and we didn't get a lot overnight. And then we had Brian Wilkes on in the 7 o'clock hour who basically said, look, folks, this is going to start around right now and go until probably 2 or 3 o'clock. All told, somewhere in the 5 to 6 inch range, it is uh, an easily packable snow, so be careful when you're shoveling because it is a wet, heavy snow. But if you can manage and tiptoe through today, he was basically saying tonight it'll be, you know, really start to clear out and, and almost go above freezing again. Then you get that cycle of just freeze at night, um, overnight, and then thaw again tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, up until about two o'clock today, this is probably what you're looking at outside, what it's going to be like. And conditions apparently have worsened on some of the major roads. So certainly be careful. Also, if you are. Staying in today and listening to this radio station, which we certainly appreciate. Um, Just a programming note, Vince Welch will be back in at 12 o'clock today, as he was yesterday. Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilers, will join him on the midday show today. So Vince and Jimmy will have Matt Painter on coming up around noon today. For now, I'm actually wearing a Calgary Flames hat because, as you guys know, I'm a diehard. And in looking in the NHL Pacific standings, the Vegas Golden Knights are atop the standings. But speaking of Vegas, they have apparently some interest in some things having to do with the Colts. Correct, Kevin? That was quite the transition. Thank you. And can I echo? I mean, I I can't see anything out the window. Do you need an eye exam? It's totally changed. No, it's... From what we had The visibility, yeah, for sure. A couple hours ago. Um, Yes, okay, Vegas odds. Got an email yesterday, Jake. Bet online AG, all right? They send out four favorites. They list about 10 candidates, but four favorites for the Colts head coaching job in order as followed. Jeff Saturday at plus 150. Those are extremely confident odds right there. Plus 150 for Jeff Saturday. Eric Bieniemy plus 375. D'Amico Ryan's third on the list at plus 650. Dan Quinn at fourth at plus 750. What is Raheem Morris? Raheem Morris was the fifth listed candidate at plus 1,000. So, again, just for those that are unfamiliar, if you want to bet on Raheem Morris, 10 bucks to win 100. Right. Based off those odds. If you want to bet on Jeff Saturday, 10 bucks to win 15 on those odds. So, I, I tweeted out those first four names. And for those unfamiliar with social media, I quickly got almost ratioed is the term that they use, which basically means a ton of replies to said tweet. And oftentimes, Jake, they're not replying to you to compliment you or to praise said tweet. They are replying to you to either rip what you posted or rip the content that you posted. And that seemed to be the overwhelming norm from people on Twitter just basically shocked at those odds. And, of course, Jeff Saturday at plus 150 was where a lot of that is coming from. I know we talked about this a lot yesterday, Jake. I'm very curious how in tune and how much he cares Jim Irsay seen how overwhelmingly negative 
the support is for Je- Jeff Saturday getting this job permanently. Like, it is overwhelming. The conventional wisdom says that you can't, if you are an NFL executive, a sports executive in general, you, you can't pay attention to the noise, right? I mean, this from Andrew. Uh, excuse me, not not Andrew. Let me see. Somebody, somebody had just, I'm sorry, Shane. Shane tagged on social media, tagged to Jim Irsay. As a man who has hired friends before, you will accept less than you would normally, and you will have to fire that friend someday. Please think about that. I mean, I look, we have seen in this town executives hire people to coach based on probably personal friendships or sure. relationships. I mean, it's not unprecedented. I mean, but- we see it in Bloomington. Scott Dolson, Mike Woods. Mike yeah, Woodson's relationship, yeah. Quinn Buckner on the board of trustees, huge part of that. But I do believe that Jeff Saturday is probably getting a second interview and is a candidate, and that's owner-driven as opposed to general manager-driven. To the point you made earlier, Jake, about Jim Irsay listening to fans, did he listen to them in bringing Chuck Pagano back for another year? Did he listen to them last year when T.Y. Hilton entered free agency, and by all accounts, Jim Mercer sweetened that deal to bring T.Y. Hilton back for another year? Now does he listen to them again, but in the flip of it? With Pagano and Hilton, he listened to it from support, and he really hadn't taken a public stance on either of those two. He's taken a very public stance on Jeff Saturday. And now the fan base is disagreeing with his stance. So, in my opinion, this could go one of two ways. It can go one way where he acknowledges them to a degree, lets Chris Ballard lead the search, listens to the recommendation, signs off on the recommendation. Or two, he can continue some of the kind of the power trippy mindset we've seen from him over the last few months and say, you know what? Screw this. I think Jeff Saturday is going to work, and I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Here's an angle that, that I thought about the other day, Kevin. When Jeff Saturday was announced as the interim coach and came out for his introductory press conference, one of the things that he said was, I may be terrible at this. I may not be any good. And if I'm not, I will say thank you so much and sayonara, basically. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, that's pretty much spot on. And he went 1-7. and And he really wants the head coaching job. Which means that in Jeff Saturday's eyes, he was not really terrible at what he did. Which tells me that he was told going into it, despite what publicly they said, that there was a criteria aside from just wins and losses. Because if he just simply went on wins and losses, he would say, you know what, I'm going to uphold my end of the bargain. I didn't get the job done. But he... The goalpost moved. Correct. And that makes me wonder if they if they didn't say to him, our biggest priority for you, Jeff, is for you to come in here and change the culture, weed out players that don't make bed check, discipline guys, find guys, be kind of a drill sergeant, and report back to us on who we keep and who we run. And that he feels like, you know what? If those of you that knew what was asked of me when I was brought in were able to see that then you would know that 
I am not going to say that I'm terrible at what I did because I did what they asked me. I don't know yeah, that. That's just I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. Yeah. I, and, and he's still not backing down. No. No, no, no. Not at all. Uh, Will Carroll around 9 o'clock. Again, just kind of get us updated on some of the bigger injuries, not only locally with Tyrese Halliburton's elbow, uh, but Patrick Mahomes, that high ankle sprain, exactly what should we expect from him on Sunday? We'll talk with Will Carroll about that and continue to keep you updated here locally from a weather standpoint. It's changed a whole lot here in the 8 o'clock hour from a visibility standpoint, from a snow standpoint. I haven't looked actually at the ground. Is it sticking a lot more than it was earlier? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, for the most part, our commute in in the 6 o'clock hour was just kind of wet pavement. But as Brian Wilkes warned us in the opening segment of the show, um, it's going to change as we get closer to lunchtime, and that means some snowfall and just sticking to the ground. So for those that do or are planning to go out today, certainly keep an eye on that. I know both, all of us have gotten you know pictures from people west side, north side, south side, and the roads look a whole lot different there than they did. So be careful out there. And uh, e-learning. Would you list these as flakes or flurries? Oh, I think flakes. Yeah, but they're they're kind of blowing sideways like flurries do. Like they were big. There were some big wet flakes falling on my way in. It was kind of cool. Someone yeah was tweeting at me like how big the snowflakes are. Now are you gonna flurries? Make I always think are like to flurries. I always think are like a little bit. <laughs> that was my joke earlier, Kevin. Flurries always feels like a little bit of snow. This is definitely flakes. Well, there are a lot of flurries. No. I think of flakes as the the kind that are big and heavy enough that they fall straight down. When they're getting whisked all over the place, those are flurries. And they're all unique, right? That's what they say. That is correct. That's what my teachers told me back in the day. You are as unique as a snowflake. (laughs) Okay. Who's actually figuring that out, though? That none of the same. A lot of safe spaces needed around this town today. I'll tell you what. Until about a year and a half ago, I never encountered someone like Jake Query. So I I (laughs) would say that. that, Who's the snowflake now? That, 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 well... (laughs) Again, there's some other floors in this building to go for that. All right, Kevin Aquari coming back in a few. So the Pacers end their seven-game losing streak last night. But I think the biggest losing streak that was ended last night was by Patrick Ewing, right? How about them Hoyas, right? They finally get it done. A 29-game losing streak in the Big East is over as they beat DePaul. Poor Pat Ewing, man. Hey, good for Butler that you got Georgetown going through that in the Big East, right? I mean, that is just such a – I don't get it, to be honest with you. I mean, he's a legendary figure. You would think that just – A lot of great talent out of that area every year. And and I get it. I mean, I think this goes to show that we so easily forget. I mean, today's high school kid probably has no idea who or what Patrick Ewing is, right? Yeah. You see, uh, the McDonald's All American roster was announced. Xavier Booker from Cathedral uh, in the game, going to Michigan State next Only year. Only one non-college committed player selected, which I guess doesn't right. shock me too much. I was more surprised, Jake, to see the only Big Ten representation was two kids going to Michigan State. Yeah, no. Do you know who the, do you no know who the one uncommitted is? Uh, is it Bronny? Bronny? Bronny James? James? Yes. Four to Kentucky, two to Duke, two to Oregon, UConn, Colorado, Auburn, Arkansas. How about Stanford? 
Peja Stoyakovich's kid. What is the stat? Something like, I think Maryland in 02 is the only school since 1987 to win a national title without a McDonald's All-American on the roster. Really? I think that's right. Boy, Butler was certainly close to... Was Gordon Hayward a McDonald's All-American? No, no. Then yeah, you're right. They were awfully close. Having said that, in the last few years, Jake, whether it was Virginia, whether you, it was even Baylor, I mean, last year with Kansas, we haven't seen like the five-star freshmen really even in right. starting lineups for these right. teams. We've seen a little bit older groups, not you know, kind of Kansas, swung back. Hadn't I don't it? think Kansas had a single top like forty recruit or fifty recruit in their starting lineup. You know, the- the Calipari system of like load up on five stars sure. and push it all in. Kentucky fans are like, uh, can we get back to getting some seniors, please? Seriously. Or Cal, come to South Bend. <laughs> You're all about that, aren't you? Now, why, why'd you laugh at that? Can you see John? I like, I, I think John Calipari is very underrated, actually, but can you really see him as a Notre Dame coach? Yeah, you believe he's cat. See him like Ash Wednesday when he coaches. He puts ashes on his forehead. Let's okay. get him to South Bend. Granger area, beautiful area. <laughs> okay. I don't think the pro football or the college football hall of fame is there anymore, right? No, didn't it move to is it in Georgia now? Atlanta, maybe? Sounds right. I saw a graphic yesterday where someone circled. Like pretty much the southeast portion of the United States, and said fifteen of the last sixteen college football national champions have come from this area. Yeah, and obviously the circle encompasses Georgia, Bama, Clemson, LSU. Well, and if you go back, I mean Florida also, right? Yeah, so Florida to, yeah. is also in that. I think Ohio State's the only one that would obviously not fall into that circle. All right, speaking of injuries, Patrick Mahomes at high ankle sprain. What's he going through? And Tyrese Halliburton, we're approaching now two weeks removed from the knee and elbow. Will Carroll, the injury expert, going to chat with us next here. Kevin Aquari on a snowy, snowy Wednesday here in Indy. So the weather update as we hit the 9 o'clock hour, what Brian Wilkes told us in the 7 o'clock hour is exactly taking place. That is a lot less visibility and a lot more snow in the downtown metro area and starting to stick at a much higher rate than it was earlier. And sounds like this is kind of going to be the norm here for the next couple of hours. Early afternoon is when things should start to quiet down on that front. So our respective commutes in were not too bad at all. But, guys, I think our commutes home are going to be a whole lot different. Yeah, we were also the only three people that were having to go to work at that hour. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, most people, I think, stayed in. Yeah, we had the roads to ourselves. Correct. And, honestly, the roads were just Great. pretty much wet at that hour. To get an update, you know, on some injuries, Tyrese Halliburton, Patrick Mahomes, Will Carroll, the injury expert, joins us now from the Payless Liquors Hotline. Will, uh, for our listening audience, where are you at around town, and how do things look from where you are? Yeah, I'm I'm on the southeast side over by Franklin Central, and it's snowing pretty good. You know, you can see, uh, I can see my neighbors are getting around, but it's at that uh, level where I'd be like, eh, you know, I don't really need to go out. Uh, I'd say we probably have two, three inches on the ground right now, and it's coming down pretty good. Again, Will Carroll is with us here, the injury expert. Let's begin with Tyrese Halliburton, Will. When he went down a couple weeks ago, yeah. it was an awkward fall, 
And, mm. you know, initially you're thinking, did he get stepped on? And all of a sudden after the game, they're like, yeah, left knee and left elbow. Sounds like the knee is okay, but mm-hmm. now it's the elbow that's kind of hanging hanging around and has caused his absence to maybe extend into February. What could he be dealing with and, and the hindrance there? Yeah, it's just going to be uh, – it's a simple elbow sprain. He fell on it. Uh, we see this happen all the time. It's not common, obviously. Uh, it just bent the wrong way, and, and uh, the ligament was was damaged. They don't want that to be a problem. Uh, they don't heal very well. Uh, you know, if you go into baseball, you see so many elbow reconstructions because if it if it tears more than about twenty five to thirty three percent, they just go ahead and replace it. So you don't want that. You want to make sure it heals up and that it doesn't affect the you know the biomechanics of the shot. Well, when we look at different injuries you know a lot Mm -hmm. of times players can kind of complicate things by being overcompensatory elsewhere Mm -hmm. um you know in the case of of ty halliburton i i can't imagine like with an elbow sprain that would be the case the non-shooting elbow yeah Yeah. you know i mean is it is it just simply a matter of uh don't move for like three weeks is that basically it uh it's not don't move but it, it certainly don't put it in a situation where it's going to be compromised. Now, if you were a pitcher, you would say don't pitch, right. but you'd be doing other exercises. What they basically don't want to do is fall again. Uh, the ligament's compromised, and as I said, it doesn't have to be that much compromised uh, to need significant uh, issue. Though I, I'm honestly not sure what they would do in, in uh, a basketball player if they had a significant UCL sprain. Uh, you know, if it were you or I or most people uh, and we blew out our UCL, we wouldn't have Tommy John surgery because you just don't need it uh, for throwing for certain activities you do. But, uh, you know, most of the time you would just go, well, let's get the swelling down. Speaking of that, and again, Will Carroll joins us at the injury expert on Twitter under the knife dot substacks where you can find his work. Um, DeForest Buckner for the Colts will had a big old kind of robo Barry Bonds cop. Uh, think of <laughs> think of what Gronk wore a lot, you know, late in his yep. career. He had Stay that on lot. his elbow um, really throughout this 2022 season, and I think there was some chatter that he would need Tommy John in the off season. Like, how is a football player able to play through that? Well, I, you know, Tommy John normally isn't the mechanism. It's, it, it's the opposite side. Um, you know, J.J. Watt's the one that always comes to sure. mind. He basically had his elbow uh, hyperextended. Uh, it just bent back. You think about the forces that go in there. You see a lot of pectoral strains where guys get their arms stretched out. They're trying to block. Uh, they, somebody pushes into them with just too much force, and, and it snaps. So those ligaments snap all the time, those dislocations and hyperextensions. Uh, so you do see a lot of elbow braces. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what was with Buckner, uh, but uh, players play with that. Uh, you know, they play with those big old casts when, when they have broken hands if they're not a defensive back or a wide receiver. Uh, and, and they like them. They use them like a club. <laughs> Will, I've heard my entire adult life about Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Here's what I know about it. I know that it's named for Tommy John who's from Indiana, and he was a pitcher, and it has something to do with your elbow. Uh, As if I was a third grader who has never even looked at a skeleton before, can you explain to me what Tommy John surgery actually is? It's kind of like e-learning today for the third grader. That's right, that's (laughs) right. Yeah, yeah, there's a ligament in your elbow called the ulnar collateral ligament that basically makes it so your elbow stops 
before the bones slam together. It, it uh, has uh, stability uh, for that elbow in the overhead throwing motion. When you stress it too much, it snaps. Uh, in 1974, Tommy John went to Dr. Frank Job, who invented a surgery on the spot. Uh, and now today it allows nearly one third of the pitchers in the major leagues to be out there. Otherwise, they would be selling insurance, uh, pumping gas, doing whatever people do when they don't play baseball. Uh, but uh, it, it is a widely used surgery. And we're seeing some real advances in it right now. I've got an article coming out tomorrow uh, about uh, uh female basketball player, uh, high school level, coming back from ACL surgery in under six months. Hmm. Wow. I mean, it is amazing. Like, you look at Gail Sayers' injury and you think, you know, what yeah. What would be the case? Now, by the way, if you were going to... Uh, he, he'd be back. There, yeah, no, I know. No, the simple ACL injury. Uh, um, Joe Namath is, was always the famous knee injury. He, his was a meniscus tear. He would have missed two weeks. Tommy John, by the way, if he was going to be forced to go pump gas, he'd want to live in Utah or New Jersey. Do you know why, Kevin? Why is that? Those are the two states that you are forbidden from pumping your own gas for employment purposes. I I did know that. Gosh, our country is so weird. I I kind of show my age with the the whole pump your gas thing as the low-end job. Uh, Jake does that a lot here in the 15 hours each week. (laughs) Uh, Will Carroll at the Injury Expert. Again, under the knife.substack where you can find the work you just mentioned. Uh, Will, let's move on to Patrick Mahomes. High ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy Reid said nothing else from ligament damage outside of that. We saw his movement. You know, at times you were like, oh boy, on Sunday. How would you compare what we saw, I guess that would have been Saturday, from what we saw Saturday to how he'll look this Sunday evening? Surprisingly well, you know. Uh, there's a couple things that go into this, and that's first that he's had it before. Uh, if you remember a couple of years ago, when uh, I think it was the Bucks they played in the Super Bowl, and he was he looked terrible. He couldn't move, couldn't do anything. Uh, now he's he's had this three times at least, and probably more. Um, so his ankles are just a little bit loose. Uh, compare this to Steph Curry, who had to have surgery to tighten up his ankles. His was the anatomical ankle rather than the high ankle. Um, but his are just looser than other people. So he didn't have as much damage. It didn't swell up as much the day after is usually when you see it. And it didn't swell up as much. So I think he's going to have a better than average chance. I don't think he's going to be at 100%, but he's going to be 75, 80%. And, and that's pretty good for the home level. The other thing to keep in mind here, and uh, to plug my book, Chapter 7 of The Science of Football talks about how Patrick Mahomes does crazy stuff in his training. It is just, it's weird and wacky, and yet when you see it, it's you're like, oh, there was this drill he did with Sam Ellender uh, working out there in Texas, where they would basically run around this figure eight and chase each other and move around and dance. And there was a time uh, a couple games ago where I saw him kind of spin out uh, do that big circular Fran Tarkenton kind of scramble. I'm dating myself again. Um, and it was exactly what he had practiced. And they do drills where he's on one foot. They do drills where he's wearing one shoe because that happened to him one time. So it, it, it should not surprise people that Patrick Mahomes prepared for this kind of thing. And I would assume, Will, just given, and I know this is kind of a whatever cliche word, but given his arm talent and how rare he is Mm. as a thrower, this is a guy that, again, from a throwing standpoint, he should be able to compensate for any sort of favoring of that back ankle, I guess, if he were throwing a football. Yeah, I mean, he's not a Josh Allen type. He's he's more of just a... 
he's kind of a wizard out there. Yeah, you know? really he really is. He's a magician with his arm angles. arm angles. Yeah, exactly. And he again, this is a, a thing that goes all the way back to him being a high school baseball player and his father being kind of talented at the game himself. So uh, it's not so much that. I don't think he could be a Tom Brady-type pocket passer. I remember when Donovan McNabb hurt his leg and basically couldn't move, but you know, they, they shotgun snapped him and he stood back there and played pretty well. I don't think Patrick could do that. You know, he's, he's just too creative. Uh, he, he's too improvisational. And I think he'll have a chance to do all that uh, in what should be a heck of a game this Sunday. Hey, Will, how's the heart? Heart's good. How about yours? Uh, supposedly good. Uh, you know, I thought of it because, to be honest with you, uh, and I know this sounds ridiculous and cliche and whatever else, uh, it's a really wet snow out there. And mm-hmm. so I, I think people get, you know, they go out and they start shoveling snow and they get a little overconfident. And so I thought you and I would be two guys to tell people that if there's any warning sign at all to pay attention to it. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, pay that kid down the street however much you have to at this point. Uh, get a snowplow, get, get something. That's one of those exercises that I, I don't think people understand, uh, especially with the wet snow that's heavy. Uh, it really can test your cardio if you're not ready for that. And unfortunately, too many people aren't. Yeah, it was good to see last on the news telecast that they mentioned that several times and kind of warning people on that front. Um, before we let you go, Will, this is the first time we've chatted, and I guess on the heart front, since the DeMar Hamlin situation occurred yeah. in Cincinnati. Just in your history, um, obviously the medical attention that's on an NFL field, if this is going to happen anywhere, that's probably one of the better places to have it happen. I, I know that might not sound yeah. the, 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 the best, but just your thoughts on how – the Buffalo, Cincinnati, stadium medical teams handled everything. There. Oh, absolutely amazing. I mean, they did everything right. They practice for this. You prepare for this. You hope you never have to have it. But it does raise uh, consciousness. I know that Buffalo and a lot of people have been doing things to raise consciousness for CPR, uh, for the need for padding, especially for young kids. It was about 10 years ago up in, I want to say, Zionsville, where uh, a young boy was hit in the chest. I mean, it wasn't that hard, supposedly, but uh, the same sort of thing with the Moshio Cordes uh, dropped, and they didn't have all that. They didn't have an athletic trainer. They didn't have an automatic uh, defibrillator, and those are the kind of things we need to have anywhere. If your kids are playing sports, you better know who the medical professionals around there are, and if they don't have it, which unfortunately we don't have at all the high school levels. You certainly don't have them at all the practices. Even colleges don't have uh, athletic trainers at every practice, and it's just as likely to happen there. So I think we all need to take a look at how seriously we're taking it. If you can't afford a medical professional, whether it's an athletic trainer or, or someone else, if you can't have AEDs around, maybe you shouldn't have sports. Yeah, I mean, it was an awful scene, but to your point, Will, I do think it's opened up a lot of people's eyes into all those questions that you just laid out. As always, Will, terrific stuff. At the injury expert on Twitter, under the knife dot substack. Thanks, Will. Thanks, guys. That's Will Carroll right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. And Jake, I think it's a great point you bring up on a day like today. No need to be a hero and yeah. uh, get out there and shovel. Um, I didn't realize this. Maybe it's not even worth pointing out. Are there like Damar Hamlin conspiracy theories now? Um, I, I believe that is starting to um, gain some traction. I have not ventured down that, and I don't think I will. What is what is the alleged theory? As I said, I have chose not to click on those links. 
Yeah, save yourself the energy and don't waste it. They already had Josh Allen address it, and he's like, that's ridiculous. Okay. I just like all of a sudden people started asking me, why hasn't he been interviewed anywhere? Who asked are you that? You, are are, are, you, are you, you the king on record with that King no. conspiracy theorist here in the I, Indianapolis no, area? I, I got a text from someone that just said, hey, just out of curiosity, has DeMar Hamlin been seen? And I'm like, uh, okay, really? Is this what we're doing? I think people that thought that he was going to – I think there were literally people that thought he was going to play in the playoffs. And I'm like, I, he, uh, who? it's a long recovery uh, here. Who are these people? You know, let me let me say this. When – I had a heart attack that was not cardiac arrest, but I had a myocardial infarction, which means a heart attack. And afterward, I mean, they put a stent in me and I felt immediate. I mean, it was like, okay. I mean, I felt immediately better and my, and I never went into arrest. So my heart never ceased from beating. But even with that, when I walked out of the hospital 31 hours later, and then a week after that went in for cardio rehab, which was where I sat on a treadmill and I walked and they had all kinds of monitors on me and they, they monitored my heart. Psychologically speaking, it was a real mental hurdle. And I could feel the stent, like it, as it kind of settled inside of my heart, I could feel like you're, I was just hyper aware of everything in terms of my heart the exertion that I was putting on it. And I had very minimal heart damage. I was very, 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 very lucky. But even with that, psychologically speaking, the governor that was put on my heart essentially for the first probably three months. So if you think that because DeMar Hamlin has not gone out and publicly shown his physical attributes or sat in front of a TV camera that that means anything, then you are as dumb as the day is long and you have not gone through any sort of cardiological trauma and i certainly hope you don't have to but just to say that because it's a it's a totally 1000 percent different psychological experience when you are coming off of a cardiological trauma yeah the day we spend even 10 seconds on the demar hamlin conspiracy theory just let me know and i'll stay at home <laughs> That day. Speaking of staying at home, the commute home going to be a lot different than what we had on the way in. We're trying to update you throughout the show on how things look Mother Nature-wise. We had Brian Wilkes from Fox 59 on earlier in the show, and he warned us of this, guys. He said, visibility, going to change a whole lot in the metro area. Snow, it's going to come down at a quicker rate, and it's going to stick, and that's what we've seen. So, um, I haven't, I don't know about you guys, I haven't seen any part of town where people are like, oh yeah, not bad over here anymore. Right, right. Like it seems like it's starting to get worse and worse. So all the school cancellations, e-learning, high school sports we saw canceled, um, seems to be rightfully so on all that front. Um, From a local college professional sports scene, just ironically, the schedule is called for a lot of teams out of their respective cities here right now you've got iu at minnesota tonight i'm assuming purdue will be able to get to ann arbor tonight and i guess if worse comes to worse they could just do it tomorrow morning i mean purdue to ann arbor is not some strenuous journey from a plane standpoint purdue is at michigan uh, tomorrow night nine o'clock tips again for indiana and purdue butler at providence and the pacers are in orlando talk about the best time to have a back-to-back in florida jake you ain't kidding man I mean, 
And didn't you point out that they were in, I believe, Phoenix the last time that we had adverse weather conditions? Todd Meyer, you did not need to do that. What do we got there? Oh, Mickey D's. How about this? Let's work on ruining Jake's heart some more. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I get done talking about my heart and Todd. Yeah, how do you throw some... down a king-size donut yeah, here, Jake? Yeah. Look at that, boy. Um, yes, Todd Meyer, our executive producer, bringing in some goodies for I'm us I'm impressed here Todd Wednesday made it morning. in. I know. How were the roads, Todd? Um, very slushy. Yeah. Um, Slick or just slushy? Slushy. It's... I probably should speak into a microphone. Sure. It is... Um, it, I take uh, Keystone down to Fall Creek, down to Central, and, and, and from where I come from. Uh, you know that middle lane on, on uh, Fall Creek that goes both ways, yep. depending on what time? Covered. Uh, and the rest is starting to cover. It's very, very slushy. When I left, it was 34 degrees. When I pulled in the garage, here's 32. Yeah, see, it's... so now it's it's really starting to stick out there. It's heavy. Those are snowflakes, Jake. They're okay. not flurries. Doesn't it look like flurries Thank from you. your top? It's how much no. longer on the commute for you than usual? It wasn't bad. Fall Creek is usually insane at that time of day. It was. Empty. Yeah, it was pretty light. And I must say, there there were not. I did. I saw one plow truck. One. Yeah. Okay. I've seen my life flash before my eyes a few times on that middle lane of Fall Creek. Do you ever drive on that middle lane coming back from a Pacer game or something, and you think to yourself, "Oh yeah, just all it takes is one just car one. that's not going to understand." <laughs> just one. I think I'm going to go ahead and. I think I'm like halfway over when into I, the right lanes if I'm coming northbound. I was vice like, versa coming I was southbound. like 35 years old before I figured out that there must be like a two-hour gap where it's actually X'd on both sides to get everybody conditioned, and then they go ahead and open it up. I was like, "What happens if it, all of a sudden it just changes?" Can you imagine what those board meetings were like when they installed that in there. <laughs> all right, we're believing in. Humanity and, and people being smart here in that situation. All right, pop quiz coming up in about five minutes. Let's hit a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Somebody in the chat asks, is that the Todd Meyer that played for IU Basketball? I was like, yes. Boy. Oshkosh, Wisconsin. No. That is not the Todd Meyer you're thinking of. Forward Jeff for Bronco, Indiana. Right? <laughs> He's a 6'8 sophomore oh. from Oshkosh, No, Wisconsin. West Lafayette Red Number 30, oh, Todd yeah, Meyer. I know. I'm trying to look at your. I, I, I mean, you're, you double insulted. I know. Me, you, know you, you call me an IU guy, and then well, that, that was the YouTube yeah. chat calling it's you an IU guy. And West Lafayette. Wow. It's a shame Todd's not passionate. I wonder who he's cheering for next Saturday, Jake. Guess McDonald's had plenty of coffee this morning, now didn't they? By the way, uh, Purdue flew out yesterday. Ooh, okay, thank you for that update. Purdue flew to Ann Arbor yesterday, so getting there a day early. Let's start there on the college basketball scene tonight. Indiana at Minnesota, as we saw last week with Purdue at the barn. Uh, not much of a fight from the Golden Gophers, and it sounds like they'll be without their leading scorer, Dawson Garcia, 6'11", 230. So that's good news on the Trace Jackson Davis front. Jake, you typically don't see 10.5-point road favorites in the Big Ten. No, I mean, and especially one that two weeks ago we were talking about if they were going to miss the tournament. Indiana's obviously kind of right of the ship, but, man, it's been a... Can Notre Dame play Minnesota? We could use a win like that. Now, do people say that about Notre Dame right now? Are you punting on the Notre Dame season yet? I, I have. I look like Ezekiel Elliott on the final play of the game about Notre Dame season. <laughs> Getting blown up. 
Uh, that's because last night, NC State 85-82 over the Irish. You fall to 9-12. and They're 1-9. and Is that right? 1-9 and in the ACC? We've been over this. You said that in the 8 o'clock wow. hour. Yes, that's we know amazing. their record. Uh, NC State 16 of 5 and 6 and 4. Listeners overall. change all the time, Kev. That's right. Got to keep them updated. Recycle the audience, Kev. Thanks, boss. Uh, Buffalo 91 65 over Ball State last night. That moves Ball State to 13 and 7 overall. They're 4 and 3 it's in Max. Ugly play. one for Ball State. We're not used to that this year. I know. And Drake 70 68 over Indiana State. Um, oh, the, uh, the Drake coach. He's on the list for Notre Dame. Oh, really? Mm hmm. Okay. Derek something Makes or other. Makes great coffee cake. I know that much. Uh, Butler at Providence tonight, nine and a half point underdog there for the Bulldogs. Last night over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the Pacers, big comeback win over the Bulls. The seven-game losing streak is over. They were down at 1.21 in the game. Saw Kristen Airy had this stat. Jake, that's their 12th time this year coming back and winning after being down double digits. Yeah, that's impressive. Most in the NBA. A huge part of that, the rookie from Arizona. I checked the statue this morning. Everything looks pristine over there. Uh, they've got, I uh, know Todd Meyer only saw one plow. They're plowing the statue to make sure everything is good. That's, that's where all the plows are. Around it. Uh, here was Rick Carlisle afterwards on Benedict Matherin's exceptional fourth quarter. Yeah, this is where he's unique to most rookies, um, where a lot of rookies are hitting the wall and losing losing steam he's he's actually gaining momentum and that's that's i think the thing that's most impressive about him he just has a capacity and a and a will to compete and get better um he stays in the gym all the time you know you got to you got to run him out of there you know he he knew a game like this was coming Jake I've said this before about Matherin his athletic ability his talent on the floor I think it's rather obvious. We all have seen that. But it's what Rick Carlisle just said there. It's how he's wired and how he has approached his life, the game of basketball, makes me think this dude is never satisfied. And again, he brings an edge and a confidence that you just need if you want to be a great The confidence player. is the big thing, right? He 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 is a guy that, that embraces... You know, I remember Steven Jackson had a great quote when he said, uh, I make love to pressure. <laughs> I love that quote. And that's kind of what Benedict Matherin uh, feels like, that he is not afraid of the moment. Also not afraid of the moment. Last night, LeBron James, 46 points in the Lakers win. one Or, excuse me, lost 115-133. Clippers got the win, but LeBron now putting up a 40-point performance against every franchise in the NBA. If he maintains the scoring average that he has had for the last couple of weeks, then if he were to play in each game, which is probably not going to happen, he would eclipse the all-time scoring mark of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on February 2nd when the Lakers come to take on Indiana. The Pacers have had a league call with the NBA to make plans of contingency of what they would do if that were to happen against the Pacers. Again, highly unlikely he plays every game until then. They would have one game in New Orleans after Indiana before they then go back to Los Angeles. One would expect it will take place in L.A., but fun to think about. You know, they have two back-to-backs, the Lakers, between now and the Indiana game. But, Jake, they also are in such a dire playoff position. They need LeBron to play. You're right. So I'll be really curious to see how the next week unfolds. Steph broke the three-point record here last year. Was that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Or was he on the verge of it and maybe missed a couple in the fourth quarter? I think that I, I remember that. all the pregame. It's hype that for he it. he was. Everyone was excited for it, and he he did it the next game. I believe. Okay, that's what it was there. And did Kobe late in his? I, I remember Kobe having a great fourth quarter in his final game here, but I, I couldn't remember if he broke any records. Specifically. He might have set the scoring mark for the Fieldhouse. Vince Carter had it at one point, 
and Kobe might have broken that. Uh, by the way, Jeff Rabjohns did point out, uh, and thank you for doing so, Big Ten rule is that men's basketball teams have to be at the city of a game 24 hours before the tip. That makes sense. Curry broke the three-point record in Madison Square Garden. It was the next That's right. night. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, Brandon pointed that out there. Pretty big stage to do that, right? Uh, also a big stage is that in which we do for the pop quiz. And yeah, it's a very someone argue it is Madison Square Garden-like. <laughs> it right? is. This is very... Did you ever... Uh, Thank you, Alex Golden. Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, remember, we're at MSG when Steph Curry That's did right. it. That's right. That's right. Did you ever mail order VHS tapes on how to become a better Little League baseball hitter? Uh, Tom Amansky just came to our practices. Because if you ever mail ordered one from a player, you would know the answer to one of our pop quiz questions, just for what it's worth. Great mustache, right? That is correct, yes. The back to back to back. Uh, and A-A-U, speaking of hitting, by the way, before we get champions. to the pop quiz, congratulations to Scott Rowland, the Jasper, Indiana native, yesterday getting the call that he is headed to Cooperstown. He is the 11th player Born in Indiana to be a Hall of Famer, that puts Indiana 10th amongst the 50 states. Again, educate and entertain is what we're striving to do. Jake, earlier you mentioned Utah and New Jersey, is that correct? That's correct. On the pumping of gas, I believe the YouTube chat was pushing back. They were throwing in Oregon. Yeah, Oregon for sure. Did I say Utah? I I meant Oregon, I'm sorry, because... Did I say Utah? Sorry, or it is definitely Oregon. That yeah. is correct. I got out of my car when I went to go see my parents, and I went to go pump my gas. Guys, like I got it, I, I know, got it. I'm crazy, like, who are you? I was like, what the heck? Yeah, my apologies, YouTube chat. Thank you for pointing that out. It is definitely Oregon. Utah's got its own issues, right? Yeah, Utah's a cool state, though. I drove into Utah Woo! from a uh, two-hour drive from Las Vegas. I went in, had a slice of pizza at a truck stop, and came back. I was like, there you go, state number forty-nine off the list. All right, 317 239 pop quiz time again. Shout out to Todd Meyer for bringing us in. Some nice treats here on this Wednesday morning. The roads are getting dicier, to say the least. This one from Luke, and I hope everyone's okay. He goes, Two cars in front of me just wrecked on the exit of Brooksville Road. And you think about the ramps, those are often some of the dangerous spots right. on days like today. It's getting very slick and covered on the highway. Saw numerous people spin off on the side of the road. So, everybody out there. Be careful on your commute wherever you're going on this Wednesday morning. Kevin and Corey coming back. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Jake, I guess this makes total sense. You know, people that are driving right now, it is a 10 and 2 day without question. Um, I guess the visibility has improved maybe slightly in the last 10 minutes if we're going to get technical, but again, a 10-2 and two day, not a lot of people calling in for the old pop quiz, which means we might need Mark Dighton to do it. Mark, have you looked at it yet? Be honest. I, I have not. 100% I have not looked. Do you want to do the quiz for a listener? Well, when we... When we should we? Oh, someone's calling now. Two three nine ten seventy is the telephone number if you would like to. And if you're driving, we don't need to be heroes here. Correct. Do only call if you are not driving. Yes. Or if you've pulled over. And you gave a hint earlier. Mm-hmm. Tom Mansky related. <laughs> That's right. Kevin Quarry, what's your name? All of a sudden, the phone lines have lit up. We could do weather reports from those that are calling in. Right. Quarry, we could. It sounds a bit dicey. Around town right now. Again, as we said in the last break, roads have changed a whole lot since our commute in this morning. So be careful out there. And if you don't have to go anywhere, stay at home and listen to the fan. 
The other shows are coming in studio, right? Yeah. Uh, like I said, Vince Welch in today at noon. He will have Matt Painter That's on right. with him. I don't need to take the pop quiz. We've got full phone lines, folks. Nice. There you go. Um, all right, Mark, since you just talked to everybody, bring somebody on who you felt sounded energetic. Sounded energetic? Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's go with David. David. David, good morning. Good morning. I'm ready. David, what part of town are you calling from? Uh, I am downtown, but I'm a south sider. Describe your commute this morning. Oh, commute this morning was cake, but it's getting... The roads are bad, slushy. Okay. What time was that commute? Oh, 6.30. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, now, what line of work are you in, David? Uh, construction. Okay. Have you called the program before? Uh, I have not. Okay. Uh, can we play a little round to get to know your listener? We've had a lot of success with this. Kids in particular love it. Um, yeah. If you don't mind me asking, David, uh, who was the president of the United States in the year of your birth? Ooh, I believe it was Ford, 75. Okay. Uh, that is correct, yeah. Okay, so um, what, 47 years old you are? 47-year-old fellow? Okay, and so that means that you graduated from high school, I'm guessing, somewhere around 94. Is that right? That is right. Okay, and that would be from what school? Uh, Ron Colley. Okay, so David. And then, um, David, the first athletic poster that you remember having on your wall as a kid was of who? (laughs) Uh, Michael Jordan. (laughs) Okay, and is that because you were a huge Jordan fan, a Bulls fan, or just uh, overall pop culture reference? I would say pop culture looking back. <laughs> right, okay. And then uh, last question for you, David. The first concert you attended was who, and the best concert you attended was who? Ooh, first concert was Heart. Okay, in the not 80s. bad. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'd say the best concert was a few years ago at the Bow. Nelly was there. Oh, I love <laughs> wow, it. Okay. Gosh. All right, yeah, fair enough. Good for you, David. I saw Too Short yeah. at the Vogue. It was great. Yes, I heard that. That's awesome. David, before the Nelly concert, <laughs> did you think about putting a little strip under your eye there? You know, kind of. Uh, maybe. There was a lot of people my age with a band aid. <laughs> sure. Uh huh. Yeah. Now, and let's be honest, David. You were one of them. <laughs> no, no, no. David, no. you sound like a cool guy. Do you want to come to the PBR party? Oh, I love it. I would love it. <laughs> there we go. All right, David. Mark, you were spot on with, with David's energy. David, construction, are you outside today? No, no, no. I'm mostly inside. Okay. okay. All right, all right, all right. Okay. I was getting worried. What Thank you, you for what, calling What me. are you constructing? Uh, I'm an electrician. Okay. So whatever needs done. Now, you know. when you have to take notes, <laughs> do you always use construction done? paper? <laughs> no. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, question number one. Would you like for me, that would be Jake, or would you like for Kevin to lead you off? Uh, go ahead, Jake. All right, here we go. go five or five. Um, the question number one for you, David, is this. If you had to sit down to watch a ball game with a PBR, would you rather choose Jake or Kevin as your as your game-watching mate? Uh, woo. I go with Jake. We're close to an age. Hell yeah. All right. Well, the real question number one is I'll this. I'll remember that, David. LeBron James right. is the first player to score 40 points in NBA history against all 30 franchises. Last night, he had 46 against what team to set the mark? Was it the Blazers, the Thunder, the Jazz, or the Clippers? The Clippers. Okay. All right. Number two, David. Jasper Native. Scott Rowland voted in the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday. Rowland finished his career with the Reds. In 2012, which of the following teams did Roland not play for in his 17-year Major League career? Nationals, Cardinals, Phillies, or Blue Jays? Ooh, I'm going to say the Blue Jays. 
Uh, probably the national. Yeah, there we go. Look at this, David. Yeah. All right, here we go, Smart Ron Colley. Question dude. for you, number three. Uh, Roland was the only player elected yesterday with former Rockies first baseman Todd Helton falling just short of the 75% threshold. Peyton Manning's backup at Tennessee? I think that's right, yeah. One other player was selected to join the hall in December by one of the ERA's committees. Who will be joining Roland for July's induction ceremony? Was it David Ortiz? Fred McGriff, Tony Oliva, or Dale Murphy? Oh, man. That's a good one. Ruff, ruff. <laughs> That's your hit. Great mustache yeah, on this fella. That was my Fred McGriff. was probably my choice. Okay. Number four, David, on this day in 1960, so 15 years before your birth, Wilt Chamberlain scored 58 points for the Philadelphia Warriors, setting a record which still stands for the most points scored by a rookie in an NBA game. Name the player who later tied Chamberlain's record. Was it A, Wilt, B, Brandon Jennings? I actually had a Brandon Jennings jersey in college. Uh, C, Rick Barry, or D, Earl Monroe? Uh, I'm just going to guess Earl Monroe. All right, last question for you. Today's the 99th anniversary of the opening ceremonies for the first Winter Olympic Games. In what country, which I actually visited uh, three years ago, I believe, just before COVID. They got a real famous um, like kind of statue. Uh, in what well, country the, were the 1924 really Winter Olympics held? <laughs> the famous statue well, in that one country. Once you hear this, you'll go, okay. United States, Switzerland, France, or Germany? Oh, oh. United States has a I'd say, statue. I'd say, a, <laughs> I know. well, but it's a country I visited. It's got a famous sculpture. Oh. Uh, Switzerland, France, or Germany? I thought I was in King's Island for a little bit. Uh, France, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> David, you got a top three laugh over to call into the show. He's needed on a day like today with this weather. All right, who did LeBron have 46 against last night, Jake? Uh, it was indeed the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, see, uh, Correcto. A little coaxing on the Scott. I always love Scott Rowland, by the way. I just thought he was so. Seems cool. Yeah, it just like slick fielder and good hitter and contact, little power. Well-deserved in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the one team he did not play for? Indeed. He was, the he was a Philly, yeah! a Cardinal, a Red, and a Blue Jay. Yep. So Most the Nationals is known as a Cardinal, right? Maybe Red? You know, I think of him as the Phillies, but probably Cardinals is who he's most known for. Um, Fred McGriff was the answer for question number three. Yeah! Now, France is obviously correct in question number five. That's quite the sounder there, Mark. Uh, yeah, number four. This is the lone one that David slipped up on. I had no idea on this. Uh, I guess just when you don't know answers and Wilt's one of the choices, probably guess Wilt. Name the player who later tied Chamberlain's own record of 58 points as a rookie in an NBA game. It was indeed Wilt. He did it later in that 1960. David's cool, though, man. Thanks, David. Safe travels home, man. Get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> Pretty good, but I'm running out of beer. Which is a problem. And weed. But that's my own fault. I should have stocked up ahead of time. Sure. We knew this weather was coming. Okay. I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but David, you want to stay on the line. I think he deserves the oil change.
Oh, wow. You're making an executive decision here? Are you guys good with that? Day like today? Yeah, no, you're right. Come on now. You're going to call in? Energy level like you're that? Gonna let, laughing? You're going to let the folks, the <laughs> promotions department know uh, that already? Hey, Kevin's January paycheck. Not going to look like the other ones here. <laughs> uh, from Adam Schefter, Jeff Saturday. Scheduled interview for a second time for the head coaching gig in Indianapolis. I thought we knew that yesterday. Um, Am I wrong? I thought it might have been reported by somebody else. I guess Schefter, you know, just kind of puts a stamp of approval on it. He throws out there seven candidates due for a second interview with Indy. Is he Schefter is the uh, the human Wikipedia? It's all knowing. Did he say who the other six are? No, but I think based off reports, Giro Vero is a name we've mentioned throughout the show. So he would be at least two. Some desire with Dan Quinn. That I guess would be three. I'm Raheem assuming Morris. Jake Raheem Morris would be four. And then if you want to look at the three candidates coaching this weekend that they've already talked to. Callahan. Eric Bieniemy, Brian Callahan, Shane Steichen. Is that seven? Uh, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep. Again, D'Amico Ryans. Are you um, you weeding out the two from the Giants? The timing of D'Amico Ryans is just its not ideal and – I guess a little bit of it is just the cult state of a franchise because Ryan's elected to interview with other franchises before. Uh, we explained that a little bit earlier. I, I guess I'm really not. Again, I don't know that for sure, but this is just kind of the rough sketch of it off the top of my head. Those seven names. Interesting. So I said earlier about Saturday when you have to feel the need to text people the bullet points on your resume to try and help your job. Don't think that's a ringing endorsement for your candidacy. But that, he knows the right guy, doesn't he? That or you're just thorough, right? He knows the right guy in this process, and that might be the only thing that matters when it's all said and done. All right, we'll keep you updated on the weather. Round out the show one final time. Kevin and Query, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Okay, the latest on the Colts head coaching search. Jeff Saturday. For a second interview, Dan Graziano from ESPN, and Jake, I think with Saturday, anytime you see ESPN people doing the reporting, it's probably pretty accurate. (laughs) I would assume that is Jeff Saturday feeding those people the info. Uh, Dan Graziano mentioned that Saturday's second interview could be delayed a little bit because of, look outside the window, Mother Nature. Really? Second interviews are in person. Didn't Saturday go back home? to georgia he did uh jake weather report from down here in florida listening to the show it's 76 degrees a little windy thank you for listening (laughs) but bleep off uh Uh, gio avero raheem morris the other candidates that have been publicly reported as we kind of laid out Schefter says there's seven total second round interviews for the colts right so as we laid out you know, Shane Steichen, Brian Callahan, Eric Bieniemy. Who was the other one that you wrote, that you wrote down, Jake? Jeff Saturday, Avero, Morris, Steichen, Callahan, Bieniemy. I just threw it away. Um, people are yelling at their radio. Hold on. Callahan, Steichen. Threw it away. You imagine the team just kneeling with five minutes to go in the game, thinking it's over? <laughs> Hold on. Steichen, Callahan, Bieniemy, the three that are... Coaching this weekend, they've okay. already talked to. Okay. Avero uh-huh. and Raheem Morris, uh-huh. Jeff Saturday. Okay. That's six. Did you say Callahan? Yes. 
D'Amico Ryans? Uh, oh, Dan Quinn. Dan, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Yeah. Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn is really interesting. Dan Quinn and Raheem Morris, to me, are very intriguing, both of them. Yeah, I probably a little bit more Morris than Quinn with that one. Again, on the offensive front, Brian Callahan. And, and I would still, yeah. I, I would wait on D'Amico Callahan's Ryans. hard to argue. I would wait on Ryan's. Is there anything more Colts than the weather postponing things? The, the the waiting on Ryan's to me leads me to believe that that means he is a front runner. If they do that, again, they're gonna have to wait right. a long time. Right. All right. Usually takes me sixteen minutes to get home. How many minutes are you thinking? The good news is, and and I I commend people's preparation and planning on this. I don't think the roads are going to be overly crowded. Because I think people took precaution. 22 minutes. Oh, I think it's going to take a little longer. Think so? I guess in the last half hour, it's quieted down a little bit from what it was. That 8 o'clock hour, it yeah. was humming. It's it's going to be hit and miss for a while here for the next four hours, right? Isn't that basically what Brian Wilkes was saying? And then, yeah, around 2 o'clock is when it'll yeah. quiet down there. Uh, Eric wants to join us on the program. Just called in, 239-1070. No, no, he was out for the pop quiz. Oh, okay. Well, I meant Dave. Sorry. What's up, Dave? Hey, not a lot. Just kind of watching it snow. The roads are kind of crazy. But uh, uh, I still take the Indy Star twice a week, Thursdays and Sundays. And last week, uh, Thursday, Greg Doyle had a big article about us trying to pick up Lamar Jackson and the offensive line coach. And... Uh, I just wonder if that's any possibility or would Lamar be too big of a paycheck to try to get him on? That's a good question on the second part of that in particular, Dave. Um, My thought would be that Lamar Jackson probably is going to be franchise tag, right? Yeah, I think Baltimore has made it pretty public. They still want to retain Lamar Jackson. Obviously, actions will be the ultimate speaker in that. Um, But to your point, Jake, to get Lamar Jackson, you'd have to give up draft picks. And I say that plural. And then you'd have to give him a massive contract, right. not just the franchise tag. And Lamar Jackson, I think, is a great, great talent. But if you talk about a guy you're going to have to pay crazy money to into his 30s, and I'm reliant on him being an incredible athlete and runner, I don't want to do that. I just think naturally he's going to lose some of that, again, incredibly rare athleticism as he gets into his 30s and the hits start to pile up. So um, I would pass on that. I also think with Lamar Jackson, um, you know, the one thing that we don't know about him, he's got a great arm. There's no doubt about that. But can he be – how much of his arm is facilitated by his incredible athleticism and mobility? I don't – I I think it's unfair to label him as a running quarterback because he absolutely can throw the ball. But – once inevitably and invariably, it happens to everybody, his legs go away and make him more ordinary than is he a pocket passer. And again, ordinary is the key word, Jake. You would be paying him extraordinary. Right. So you, you right. can't have him be ordinary. Uh, throw this out there in reference to Jeff Saturday. Nate Atkins from the Star did a poll. How would you feel if the Colts hired Jeff Saturday's head coach? 93% of the 2.3 thousand that voted said they would be against it. Do you think Jim Mercer will listen to that? I mean, th- I know that that's kind of been our theme for the day and yeah, asking, right? It's a great question. He's listened to fans before, but more in a positive light. 
Less than a negative light. Ashley Mitchell just got back home from the Greenwood area. County line is not plowed at all and is an absolute mess. Have co-workers heading back up to Michigan on 69 North that just slid off into a ditch. It is true. I don't see, I mean, on the circle, they don't necessarily plow, but I don't see trucks out. I'm sure they are. Safe, safe travels, everybody. And for our people that are plowing, salting, et cetera, first responders, thank you for that. And continued safe travels. Should be okay tomorrow morning, right, coming in? I think so, yep. Brian Wilkes said after 3 o'clock today, things will start to normalize. Stay safe, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.